Curtis Ware, the Bobby Walters, more donators. They have so many donators. Cliff Kip conservation interview. Yeah, a conservation interview. Yeah, dude, what is he doing? Yeah. He's binge listening to all the Trail Show episodes at twice the speed. Cliff Kip to set the FKT for listening to Cliff all Kip. the Trail Show episodes nonstop end to end. Wait, wait, does it count at twice the speed? That do, that doesn't seem fair. Whoever heard of a Trail Show end to end or anything? Moon Kid is in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hike again. Like again, he wrote another book. <laughs> Did he really have a yellow jacket in his beer? And he drank it. That's crazy. Swami eats Vegemite. Wait, what? Swami eats Vegemite? Is that like kind of racist or something? Why does Buck 30 hate chili? Oh, the country of chili. Oh, yeah. This is ridiculous. Yeah, I get it. He no. can't listen to all the episodes oh, at twice the speed. Like, I don't know why he hates it. It's like Latin America uh, so cheating, kind of. I it's agree. not fair, and yeah. it's kind of cra- kind of sleazy, actually. <sighs> Only D-Low would attempt something so mm, morally bankrupt, shall I say. I think we need to stop this now and get on with the show. Now, I don't want to stand up for D-Lo here. Honestly, that's the last thing I probably ever want to do in most any situation. But I think calling him morally bankrupt for attempting attempting to listen to like maybe almost 300 hours of the trail show all in one sitting on high speed. All right. Well, maybe not morally bankrupt is definitely sad in some way. Sad. Yeah, it's just sad. Like a... Like a lost soul. Craig Pisco, golly, what a guy! <laughs> a salty snack. Oh, it's Moon Kid again. Oh, he's been hiking forever. Like trail years. Show Nation, this is a warning. Moon Kid. This is a warning to the Trail Show Nation. We repeat, this is not a test. This is a warning. You are hereby advised not to listen, speed listen, that is, to all 88 episodes of the Trail Show nonstop to achieve the FKT, also known as the fastest known time. It is well known that we do not approve of FKTs as we encourage listeners to savor their trail show listening experience. Thank you. And now POD. Uh, for the love of God, let's start the show. You're tuned to the trail show. Get on the trail. Get on it. Long time listener, first time caller. Arriba, 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 tota. It's the trail show. Bam! Ah! Featuring Lawton Disco Grinter. Never slap a man who's chewing tobacco. Felicia P.O.D. Hermosillo. I'm against historical trash. Mike Dilo DiLorenzo. Embrace the brutality. Junaid Special 41 Daoud. And I can't help but think that you know Trail Show Bob. Daniel Out of Order Alvarez. What's up, Trail Show? And now broadcasting live from Boulder, Colorado, it's the Trail Show. Arriba! From the Bobby Walter Studio in Boulder, Colorado's historic beer district, this is the Trail Show. The Trail Show is the longest running hiking podcast on the planet and has been downloaded over 1 million times in 150 plus countries across the globe. We are on air, on demand, and heard worldwide wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And at thetrailshow.com. Today's show is sponsored by Andrew Skirka's Guided Trips. What? That's right. Andrew, take it away. Hey, listeners. This is Andrew Skirka, National Geographic Adventure of the Year, author of The Ultimate Hiker's Gear Guide, and Trail Show special guest on shows number 36 and 82. Thanks for listening to this episode. I'm sure it will be entertaining, and I'm happy to support it. 
Well, I have your attention. I'd like to ask that you consider joining me and my world-class guide team in 2020. It will be our ninth year in operation, and we'll be leading groups in southern Utah, West Virginia, Alaska, the Rockies, and Yosemite National Park. Our three-day backpacking fundamentals course is ideal for beginners. It will help you accelerate up the learning curve and avoid years of trial and error. Our adventure and expedition trips are five or seven days and are appropriate for more experienced backpackers. We'll teach advanced skills and undertake a top-rate wilderness experience. For more information on the trips, visit my website or stay tuned during the sponsor segment after the second break. And his website is andrewskirka.com. Thank you, Andrew, for sponsoring tonight's show. Uh, We've got a fun show in store for you this evening with lots of guests from across the Fruited Plain. P.O.D., what are we serving up tonight? Well... We're actually not going to set the table right now. We're going to have a little appetizer. Then Ooh, we're going to set the table. Tasty. Because we're kind of late. So Okay. Oh. Why are we going to have to take a shower or something? <laughs> yeah, what's up with that? Yeah, what happened? Yeah, about once a week I take a shower and I just realized 10 minutes before we were going to leave that it was time. Today mm. was the day. Today was the day. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily for all of us. It, that's true, yeah. So we are uh we're going to talk with uh Zool Oh, I think she's calling she's in calling right, right now. In. Ooh. Perfect timing. Hello. Hello. <laughs> is this Zul? It is. Welcome, Zul. It is Disco Special, D-Lo, Triple O, and P.O.D. from The Trail Show. How are you doing this evening? I am doing fantastic. How are y'all doing? We are so well. We're Good. so excited to have Excellent. you on the show. So, Zul. Yeah, stoked to be here. It's kind of weird that you're... Not in the room with us tonight because you've guested on the show before. But, Indeed. <laughs> but we do have you via a satellite connection from somewhere. And we've got you tonight because you are part of our conservation inter- interview. You work for Big City Mountaineers, correct? I do. So tell us a little bit about Big City Mountaineers and what the mission is and what they do. Alrighty. So the mission is to instill critical life uh, and so critical life skills and under-resourced youth through transformative wilderness mentoring experiences, uh, which is a lot of big words to say that we think that getting outside is super important, um, and we want to um, get kids, youth, young folks who generally um, uh, don't have the resources to get into the outdoors, into the outdoors. So we partner with local youth agencies in seven cities around the country, um, Denver, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, Minneapolis, um, Boston, and then we have one legacy program out of Miami. Um, and we partner with youth development agencies in those cities to find young folks who might be interested in either an overnight camp if they're age 12 or a week-long backpacking trip if they're 13 to 18. Um, and then after we find youth that are up for it, we do what we do best. So we outfit them from head to toe um, with everything that they're going to need for the experience, everything from boots to socks to rain gear, um, all of the food that they need, everything that they need, uh, we give to them. And we pair them up with a professional wilderness guide certified in um, wilderness, uh, wilderness first responder certified. Um, and then we essentially beforehand have developed a curriculum to make sure that they have a safe and both physically and emotionally safe and fun time in the outdoors. When you said legacy program, what does that mean in Miami? So we were, we were started actually in Miami um, by Jim Kern, who 
he was taking his son Drew on a backpacking trip and had an extra ticket back in ye olden times of fly one young person get another young person ticket for a dollar. What? <laughs> hmm. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Back in back in ye olden times, uh, hmm. and essentially didn't have a young person to take the ticket, so approached a youth organization and asked if there would be a young person that was willing to come along, and there was, and that was the very first Big City Mountaineers trip. Cool. Huh. And I noticed that uh, on their website you're listed as the donor relations manager, and you said that you I am. you uh, you outfit the 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 participants from head to toe with everything they need. So, mm-hmm. uh, without jumping ahead, I was curious about: Do you get the gear donated from people, or do you get use financial donations to then purchase the gear? Um, so we're lucky. We've been around since 1989, and um, so we have very strong connections with um, companies that are in the outdoor space. Um, and so most of our gear comes from our partners, whether they're um, backpacks from Osprey or um, fleeces from Polar Tech. Various companies um, donate in-kind gear for us to use, and what we don't get donated, we then use um cash donations to get the website is bigcitymountaineers.org Zul, i'm kind of curious yep. is um for a lot of these kids is this their first ever backpacking trip um for a lot of kids this is their first time actually camping oh um let alone going on a backpacking trip um so this is most of this is new to most of the the youth that we serve for sure wow so how do you I mean, sure, gear is one piece of it, but I would imagine like some of them might have a bit of hesitation and maybe some fears and anxieties about doing something like this that they've never done and they've heard about bears and, you know, other things, Sasquatches, I don't know. I think it's it's Sasquatch. Sasquatch. Um, Is there there like a component of just kind of preparing the kids like mentally and emotionally for a backpacking trip? Yes. So um, it starts with a presentation um, here, like in there, basically with the youth organizations that we're working for. So it's a talk both with um, the young folks and their families, just sort of about what it's going to be like. We bring the gear, we lay it out for them to look at. And then it goes into once um, folks have decided whether or not they're coming on a trip, then we take them out. We take the ones that are going out on a day hike and let them carry around the pack to see how heavy it's going to be and what they're going to have to carry uh, as time goes on. And then the first, so it's a seven-day trip, and the first essentially day is driving, is loading everybody up, getting everybody geared out, and then driving to the trailhead. And then expeditions camp at the trailhead. And during that evening, there's a basically ample time to address any sort of concerns that folks have before actually heading out that's cool so, so, do, you, so do you talk to them about it's the, a process do you talk to them about the dangers if like if you really get into this then you may end up living in a van down by the river <laughs> <laughs> we don't quite go that far that's probably um, the best yeah don't don't want to get them don't want to get them too hooked in before they have their first experience so actually a real question though um you know after uh the kids like go out and have this experience uh, what, what kind of benefits do you do, do y'all see in terms of like their social or academic or like what what are 
what are like the long-term benefits that, that are associated with this kind of mentoring? We use a metric called the 40DA, the 40 Developmental Assets, to sort of track before and after. And this is more of a, to like, full disclosure, it's more of a like immediately before and immediately after um, sort of scenario where essentially you're looking at um, likelihood to um, do better in school, likelihood to, so you're looking at like the, the more general sort of like mentoring um, requirements, self-confidence, um, things like that. Um, and from the, between like the beginning of the trip and sort of after when they get surveyed, essentially the change is, the changes that we see in a week are an average change that another organization might see over the course of between three and six months of working with a particular student. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. How many, how many, yeah. uh, kids you guys serve say in a year generally we aim for around a thousand oh wow and then then, over uh, around the country so not just in the the colorado area and when students have these opportunities can they come back for a second experience or is it a one-time thing it depends on sort of what the student is looking for so we do allow students to come back for a second experience but that is that is more sort of on the youth organization the reason that we partner so closely with um, youth development organizations in the places that we are is because we feel like they have a better handle on what students need what or what students are more or like adequately prepared for a, a trip like this. And so if the organization will allow a student to come back more than once, then fantastic. Otherwise, we offer, we've partnered with Knowles and with the Colorado Outward Bound School, as well as the semester school called the Alzar School, wow. where, um, so at uh, Outward Bound, it's a two-week course, essentially, that we offer scholarships for. At Knowles, it's a four-week course, and I believe that we have four of those scholarships. Uh, and then the Alzar School is our most recent partner, and essentially they're a semester school where they start out in Idaho, and then they do two weeks in Idaho or three weeks in Idaho, and then they do six weeks in Patagonia. Whoa. What? How do I Whoa. sign up for Patagonia, this? Arizona? Or, uh, is yeah, that... Sure, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So that's a super cool experience. Wow. We're delighted to be able to offer more alumni opportunities um, both next year and, and as the years progress and we develop more partnerships like that. So the kids that aren't affiliated with the Knowles or Outward Bound group, how, I guess, I guess what I want to know is like, how do those kids find big city mountaineers or how does big city mountaineers find those kids? Like how does a kid end up in a trip? So that's, that's where our partnership with those youth development organizations come in. So essentially we find organizations that are deeply embedded in disinvested communities. So the, the greater community of a town, say like Denver, isn't particularly investing in certain areas. Uh, sure. And so those are those are the disinvested areas. And we go to organizations that have been working with families and with youth in those areas for years and years, whether the community is very familiar with those organizations and trusts those organizations with their kids, because that's a big part of what we do. Um, it's a big ask to say, hey, we'd like to take your kid out on a week-long backpacking trip, and they won't have their phones, and we're going to try to keep them as safe as, as safe as we can. But if it's, 
if there's not trust there already, right. um, it's really, really hard to, to do that. And so we rely on the trust that our partners have built. We rely on the fact that we do extensive background checks for all of our um, volunteer mentors as well as our um, trip instructors. And we, we trust in the youth development organizations to sort of know which youth might be good candidates and to know if they'll, if they'll sort of see it through to the end. Um, if they've got the, the mindset that they need to, to be out there and be safe and to do right by the other participants. And, and just to give a ballpark figure, how many kids have you guys gotten eaten by bears during the time that <laughs> Big City Mountaineers has been in existence? Just ballpark. Just ballpark. Um, 5%? So total, like, ballpark, ballpark number of kids that we served? Is that what you said? No, no, they have been eaten by bears. Oh, eaten by bears, zero. <laughs> there you wow, go. that's a stellar record. Which is, I know, it's a, it's a pretty great track record for 30 years. I w- Zool, no I, have a, I have a quick question, Zul. Has anything ever gone wrong on any of these trips with these children? Could you maybe talk to us about some of the things that haven't worked out? Maybe just like an example, just out of curiosity. Generally, um, incidents that we tend to see are altitude related or somebody twists an ankle or uh-huh. you know there's a little bit of dehydration going on those are those are some some of Standard the incidents stuff. That we, those are yeah. most of the incidents okay. that we like tend to see so yeah. general things that you would blisters generally things that you would encounter in in the out of doors sorry Dilo. Dilo was looking for some sort I was of looking for some catastrophic yeah, headline cat- catastrophe <laughs> come on it's man. almost like they're, they're running like, a high chip over there. Like blisters we take really good lunches. care of our youth yeah. Yeah. we are okay. we already went over the fact that they don't get eaten by bears so I mean it's yeah but much... I mean that's that's <laughs> really dramatic I was looking for kind of something like middle maybe of the road by a drama, badger you know like you know <laughs> Amanda how how many people have been eaten by badgers yeah or other other mammals by a badger or something you know like got too close to the prairie dogs in God. general or on our course <laughs> oh, like okay. I feel like they're pretty close to the same number yeah which would be zero approaching zero interesting approaching zero. okay all right um so you mentioned that you have like a, a lot of community partners but uh y'all also rely to some degree on um, private funding or private donations um, can you maybe talk we, about so, where some of that money is comes from? Basically, uh, people wanted to funnel money to your organization. How might they go about it? So we would absolutely love that. We are always looking to um, essentially be able to serve more youth, but also to be able to take care of our people. A lot of times, it's hard to harder to staff events depending on where you are staff these trips depending on where you are if you're not uh, paying a competitive rate because trip instructors and things need to eat not a lot of folks are out here looking to fund that side of thing they want everything to go immediately to the youth well this is the direct funding from individuals goes it does go to the youth but it also goes to the the support system surrounding the youth because so 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 much goes into these um expeditions we're barely out of the expedition season and already we're doing lots and lots of work to get ready for the next summer, next summer season. So um, if you found it in your heart to donate, um, we do have a couple of campaigns coming up. So Giving Tuesday is on December 3rd, and we have a $5,000 match from Stanley that we're trying to get. So we're crossing our fingers about that, um, as well as for Colorado Gives Day, if you happen to live in the state of Colorado, 
um, we have the potential to access some matching funds from the Community First Foundation and First Bank. What day is um, that? Who have essentially put... Again? What day is that, the Colorado Gives Day? That's December 10th. December 10th. And okay. so there's essentially a... Whatever percentage of the money raised on that day that we have raised, we get a percentage of $1.5 million um, based on that percentage. So if you wanted to help out... Yeah, it's super awesome. <laughs> if you wanted to help out with either of those, you can go to um, bigcitymountaineers.com slash donate. And, uh, you know, when um, I first uh, heard of Big City Mountaineers, um, I raised a little bit of money for them, and it was through a Summit for Someone program. Do you still have anything like that that, that uh, people can do if they've got a, a big trip planned, maybe, uh, and they want to harass their friends and family into donating to a cause? Absolutely. So there are two parts of the Summit to Summit, Summit for Someone program, sorry. The Custom Challenge program, which is, I believe, what you did and also what I did. That was like my first um, exposure to the organization. I ended up raising a little bit of money for them, too. Um, and essentially, with the Custom Challenge, you get to control whatever it is that you'd like to do. We've, got, we've had plenty of people that do through hikes and raise money for big city mountaineers. We have plenty of people who have done climbathons or all sorts of other things. And so that one's sort of like you directed, but if you feel like you would like a little more structure or you are looking to climb sort of a specific mountain with a guide company anyway, we have um, guided climbs that are summit for someone climbs. So for mountains like Hood or Whitney or Rainier, and I think we've got three others, Grand Teton, we also essentially offer guided climbs where we cover the guide fees. Um, and you agree to raise a set amount, which is different based on the mountain um, or the trek, because we also have a presidential traverse um, if you're on the East Coast, or we have the, an Appalachian Mountains photography um, workshop, essentially by one of our supporters who has offered, offered his services uh, as a professional photographer to help folks with their, improve their photography, if that's what you're into. Zul, I tried to get so it's you... it's not all mountain climbing. I tried to get you to talk about like a catastrophe that happened on one of these trips and you, you really didn't give me much. Um, so let me just talk, talk to us about what one of these common trips might be for, let's say, uh, a, a group of youth. Where might they go? Um, what, what might one of their trips be? How long would it be? Where would they go? What would they do? So a trip is always a week long. Usually the first and last day are transportation days just because the cities in which they live tend to be a little bit farther from the mountains in which we go. So, for example, in the state of Colorado, we are in the Obi Joyful Wilderness, the Ragged Wilderness, the Flat Top Wilderness. For the um, California programs, we're in the Immigrant Wilderness. Sometimes we're in Yosemite if we can get the permits for it. Up in the Pacific Northwest, um, tend to go around Mount Hood or into, we were in, just because of all of the snow this year, we were in the Mount St. Helens wilderness as well. Um, East Coast, we're looking at Mount Monognock, and in Minnesota, we're up in the Boundary Waters. So that's more of a that's pretty canoe cool. packing trip. Very cool. Yeah. So, so about five days and then a day of transport mm -hmm. on each side. Very cool. Cool. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add before we uh, wrap things up here? Just that we, in addition to sort of fundraising, if you have, if you find that you have more time than money and you live in one of these cities, our volunteers, so essentially on an expedition, there are usually five youth and five adults. So it's a one-to-one -one ratio, which is awesome. 
Uh, one of the adults is the trip instructor, so we hire them for that. We have one volunteer from the youth agency, and then the other three adults on the trip are all volunteers. So you can actually apply to be a volunteer on a big city mountain trip. It is a, a week-long commitment, but if you are into that, we'll be opening those applications in January um, if you are in one of the seven cities that we work in, which, again, are Denver, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, Boston, and Minneapolis. So uh, through hikers and long-distance hikers and section hikers, if you uh, don't have a lot of money because you're saving for adventures, remember that you can give your time and uh, you could volunteer on a trip. Also, the holiday season is coming up, and pretty much everyone you know does not need a Christmas present. So instead of trying to find the perfect gift, you could funnel some money to Big City Mountaineers and give someone else an experience that, that will last a lifetime. And you can tell your friend that that's what you did. And if they don't like it, well. They're not your friend. <laughs> exactly. You can make a donation in their name, in fact. You can send exactly. them. We have the option to send them an e-card um, when, when you donate to say, this is what I got you for Christmas. D-Lo, instead of getting your kids Christmas presents this year, I think you should donate to Big City Mountaineers. P.O.D., we celebrate Hanukkah. Instead of Hanukkah presents, presents. You presidents. Should... <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway. Okay. Zul, thank you so much. The website is bigcitymountaineers.org. I noticed on there, if you can't remember dates, you can just donate now. You can donate once. You can donate monthly. You could donate on Colorado Gives Day. They're, they're sending thousands of people into kids into the backcountry year after year that may never have had a shot at going out there. So <clears throat> this is an awesome organization. Zul, thank you so much for coming on the show. And thanks for your work. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, y'all. Okay, right. cheers. Bye-bye. I think one Bye. of the most, most interesting things about this is that the kids seem to always come there back. There she goes, ladies and gentlemen. They, they always come back from these trips, right? No yeah, matter. that's yeah. what we heard tonight. Yeah. What is your deal? <laughs> that's great. God. Well, I mean, D'Lo lost one of his kids last week is what happened. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> they, I mean, they eventually found him, but it was it was a scare. Yeah. yeah. It was a little scary. He was up in the woods. Yeah. All right, we're really going, we're really throwing trail show nation out of whack Ooh. tonight we are not going to do trail news right now we're going what? straight into trail of the month I'm, special Dilo, Dilo, we're what? all out of whack man da, 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 do, da, I have da, enough, uh, uh, do i have enough audio all right so we are going to move right into trail of the month timber <laughs> is it the tet or the timber pod timber we're going to be talking to wolverine he's going to school us on exactly how to name the trail that he hiked in ecuador and we can give him a hard time about not mountain biking on the mountain bike route. Well, he likes to hike b- mountain bike routes. Yeah, and this know. is a hiking show, which is why I was a little concerned that we were talking about a mountain bike trail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Chris uh, Wolverine Hillier from Detroit, Michigan is going to be schooling us on Ecuador. Should we call him? Ecuador. Should we play a prank on him? Yes. Calling Wolverine. Look at there. Oh, gosh. It's happening. Hola, buenas tardes. Bienvenido al show del mes. ¿Quién habla? Hola. Hola, bueno. Habla. Bueno. ¿Quién habla? Sí, how are you doing? Muy bien, ¿y tú? Ah, uh, bien, gracias. Qué bueno. Vamos a hacer esa entrevista en español para nuestros uh, aficionados <laughs> hispanohablantes. I don't have Spanish to ask for water and uh, directions. That's about it. Bueno, ahí empezamos entonces. A ver, ¿dónde queda el sendero este que, que caminaste? Try, try to keep up, okay? Where's the sendero? <laughs> oh, man. Okay, I guess we'll do it in English. Um, 
So, so we we've been talking. Is it the Trans Ecuador Trail or is it the Trans Ecuador uh, mountain, mountain Bike, bike route. route? The latter, the Trans Ecuador Mountain Bike Route. It was uh, mapped out by Cass Gilbert, a uh, bike packer. So they call it the Timber. Okay, I was really timber. looking forward to call, calling it the Tet, but oh well. Yeah, we want to call it the Timber. <laughs> okay, is that cool? Wolverine, it's glad to. We're really glad to have you back on the show. Why? What is it with your obsession with walking mountain bike routes? Talk to us. <laughs> what, what gives? It is. I mean, first the Baja Divide Trail. That's a mountain bike route. I think it has to do with my friends Neon and Ana Move because they are uh, bike packers, but they're also long distance hikers, so they know about both. And you know, I'm always in touch with them. I'm always following their blog, and I see the pictures and read the descriptions, and uh, I get excited about a new trail. Um, and bike packers, it's a similar aesthetic. You know, they go ultralight and they're riding all over the world and uh, they publish, you know, trail reports uh, like at bikepacking.com. And I found some really cool stuff uh, checking them out. Very cool. So we did get a, we played a audio update from you on the timber a couple of months back. Um, refresh Trail Show Nation's memory. When did you, when did you hike this trail? When did you start? When did you finish? And maybe just give a little bit of, you know, stats, how long's the trail, where does it start and finish, that kind of stuff? Sure. Yeah, I hiked it from uh, June 25th to September 10th uh, this past summer. And uh, I chose those dates specifically because that's the dry season uh, in Ecuador. Uh, still got a little bit of rain, but uh, that's the really the best time to, to do the trail. And it's about, it's a little over 800 miles. Um, I hiked it uh, over about uh, nine or 10 weeks. Um, it starts near the border with uh, Colombia. And I hike south uh, to the border with Peru. Um, and it's just really a fantastic trail. I mean, beautiful mountains, uh, charming people the whole way. Uh, the trail is mostly uh, two tracks and bare roads. It's easy to follow. And, you know, there's it's, it follows the, the avenue of the volcanoes. It runs right through the center of the country. And uh, really, really enjoyed it. Did you experience any volcanic activity? I did not. Uh, both uh, Cotopaxi and Chimborazo are active volcanoes, and they, they puff out steam once in a while, yeah. but there's no serious activity. But there's signs everywhere, like what to do, mm-hmm. you know, if, uh, if the volcano erupts and how to get out of the park and stuff. There's lots of warning signs. But is I it just them. duck and cover? Or? They encourage you to, get, to try and get out of there. I don't know how to <laughs> yeah. uh, well, Think about how cool you'll look when they dig you up, <laughs> like in Pompeii. So like, well, I, I, know, strike a sweet I know pose. Neon and yeah. Fidget experienced some vol- volcanic activity when they were going through yeah. there. So. Yeah, Just go. I reached out to Fidget you know, before this trail. I, I sent her a message, and, and she was super helpful. She had tons of notes and just really you know, uh, um, practical information about hiking in Ecuador. She was great. Uh, Wolverine, did you, were you the only person out there walking this route or did you see other walkers of the route? I was the only one uh, walking it. I did see other bike packers. I saw, um, a couple groups of Americans, uh, one group of Americans riding it and one group of Americans that, uh, just flew in and they were doing horseback riding around Cotopaxi. Okay. But no, no other hikers. (laughs) Did the bike packers and, or the locals think you were crazy? Mostly. They, yeah. <laughs> same, same as in Mexico, you know, they, they uh, would pull over and offer a ride all the time and they were, you know, astonished that I wouldn't accept the ride. Um, you know, they, they couldn't figure that part out. And I would just say, you know, estoy caminando de Colombia a Peru. And they uh, were uh, mostly blown away, but really charming people, really nice, 
you know, I got busted uh, stealth camping uh, at least a few times, and I would try and explain in my broken Spanish what I was doing or, you know, uh, where I was going, and they always let me stay. Really, really nice people. How was the and camping on this trip? It was tough. Uh, well, it, it was good and bad. You know, there were times when uh, 5 or 6 p.m. I would find a nice spot, you know, sometimes, you know, near a river or just, you know, secluded woods, and I would get a great night's sleep. And then other times, 5, 6, 7 p.m., and I'm still, you know, it's private property all around me, these big farms. And uh, the Ecuadorian people, you know, they're, <laughs> they're outdoors all the time. You know, they don't have especially up in the mountains, they don't have like a big house. They're not going inside to watch their big screen TV. They're farming. So they're outdoors from early in the morning to late in the evening. And if you try and camp on their property, they're going to see you. So sometimes I would wind up just, you know, asking, may I camp here for a night and offer a few bucks? Um, or, you know, just try to find somewhere even along the roadside. So it was, it was good and bad. I camped in some pretty weird spots. What was the weirdest spot? Behind a store <laughs> in that little tienda. Uh, and I just, um, they looked like they were closed. And so I camped behind, uh, I thought it was, I thought it was, I thought I was being discreet, <laughs> but they, uh, they found me in the morning, they started up their truck and they were driving some folks out to the farm and they woke me up with their truck. And I just, I kind of scrambled out of my tent apologizing and again, trying to explain what I was doing there. And they just laughed and drove away. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were cool with it. Gringo tonto. Yeah. The resupplies. How are the resupplies in the tiendas and the towns and stuff? You said you were, I, I read that you were able to resupply pretty cheaply, but how was the food? Like, what kind of food were you eating from uh, the tiendas on a, on a three or four day, you know? It, it was track? cheap, and it was good that the uh, little towns and tiendas were pretty close together. So I never had to carry very much, but not, obviously, not the same stuff you're going to find as in the U.S. So uh, my mainstay of rice and hot sauce, uh, and then. Sometimes I would pack out vegetables, uh, tomatoes, cucumbers, uh, cans of tuna, you know, sometimes cans of stuff, um, and just not a huge selection and pretty much the same stuff at every little store. Mm. So not a great selection, but I never had to carry, I don't think, more than, you know, three or four days worth, so uh, not that big a deal. When you were in the towns, was there uh, good good food, you know? So much good food. Oh, man. Yeah, they... Um, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the meals are just chicken and rice kind of based, um, or pork and rice based. But um, you know, uh, eggs with uh, a chorizo and queso fresca in the morning, really good. They they also uh, a delicacy down there is they eat uh, guinea pig. Oh yeah, whoa, tell us about whoa, that. Whoa, whoa. I want to hear koi. all not... about that. Do they call it? <laughs> but, do they call it koi? Yes, they, yes. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could only and, it's actually a little bit expensive. I didn't eat it, but... Um, what? You didn't, you didn't eat the guinea pig? All right, all right hang up. <laughs> so so I'll, uh, I ate guinea pig when I was in South America, when I was, when I was in Peru, and I was actually quite disappointed, uh, Wolverine. I was hoping to get, like, a guinea pig on a platter, like, lying on its back with its legs in the air type of thing, you know? <laughs> like a stuffed pig? Yeah, kind of like a stuffed pig. Like, you would a chicken or a, a tiny, turkey or something. Like a, a cherry But yeah, the like a really small thing. <laughs> Instead, I got, like, deep-fried and battered, like, guinea pig tenders, and it was like, mm, you know, you could be eating any type of meat, I mean, that right? sounds no, delicious, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. At the outdoor markets, they had uh, guinea pigs like uh, rotating over over a, a oh, wow. fire. Uh, oh, rotisserie! Were... Rotisserie oh. guinea pig. Yeah, I can't I believe you didn't try any. I'm I'm really disappointed in you. you 
Yeah, like, it's expensive. So, it's expensive. wait, if you were to buy a rotisserie guinea pig, would you get the whole guinea pig and have to eat it on the spot, or would they cut you off pieces of the rotisserie guinea pig? Nope, it's the whole guinea pig. Um, you can eat it there, take it home. Yeah. And hmm. I, honestly, I thought it was, I thought they were piglets, and then I looked at the feet, and they weren't little hooves, they were little claws, and I was like, oh. Do you so, get, <laughs> so when you say expensive, to, how expensive is a guinea pig? Yeah. Uh, about 20 bucks. Do you get to, wow. you get that to sounds name like them? a deal. Well, no, it's like, but that's like four days of, that's like, you know, eight days of backpacking. For you you yeah. just got to put it in your backpack. Hey, listen, next time you have the opportunity to eat one of these things, uh, you just get one. And, yeah, we'll and cover you let it. me know how much it is. I'll Venmo the you. The trail show yeah. will reimburse you. We will. You know, there's nothing really to stop Pictures any of too. us from raising our own guinea pig and cooking Eating it. it? Yeah. We could do that. I think P Max would object to such a thing. I don't thing. think we could he do would. That. I mean, that's all. That I mean, they... I went to Petco and they were yeah. not cool with it. I was like, I need, I need one with some, <laughs> some good marbling. And they were like, Sir, you got to leave. We're gonna call the police. <laughs> but I mean, in Ecuador, this is all that's happening. People just raise guinea pigs. They're everywhere, and then it's time oh, yeah. to like, you don't know, they like all the, don't they keep them like a kitchen pet, yeah. basically? Yeah. When, and, like, when I was in Peru, when I was in yeah. Peru, I went on a horseback riding trip, and we stopped at a little tiny. Uh, you know, dirt floor hut in the middle of and they somewhere. Had, they had guinea pigs, and th- like they will make you food on the spot. You know, and it was like, eggs and rice or guinea pig and rice, and the guinea pigs are just running around <laughs> all over the place. Yeah, yeah, they're just. So, you know, so, so is it like when you get a lobster, you're like that one? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, Wolverine, what happens if you buy a rotisserie guinea pig and then you put it in a <laughs> gallon-sized Ziploc and walk with and it for it three out. or four days in the hot sun? <laughs> no. You get volcanic activity. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just ask Skittles about that. Yeah. I've, you know, I've packed out a lot of weird stuff. I've put uh, you know, pepperoni slices and cheese in the bottom of my pack for weeks at a time and still eating it. But wow. I'm not packing guinea pig. Have you yeah. ever done the uh, McDouble's challenge? Apparently, those last many days without refrigeration. Uh, n- uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, I, maybe some cheeseburgers or something. But... You got you got to watch out about that cheese, man. I mean, the softer it is, the the yeah, it'll push back at some point. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's get back to the no. trail. Let's All right. get back get to the hard, trail. Hard, hard, uh, get to, uh, you know some sh- sharp cheddar. I'm gonna open my own line of of pack conditioned meats and cheeses. Ooh. Wow. yeah, that's a fantastic. I'm buy it, my pack for Business about two weeks and then uh, sell it. I think they're called they're called MREs. You might have to do that oh. in a place with some pretty lax food laws. <laughs> hey, Wolverine, but, you mentioned that you were hiking this trail, the timber, in the dry season. What was the water situation like? Did you have colossal water carries like you did on the Baja Divide Trail, or was it a little more manageable? Way more manageable, way easy. There, there's plenty of water everywhere. Uh, lakes and rivers, snow melts uh, everywhere. I don't think I did more than uh, maybe a one- or two-day carry. Maybe up at elevation, you know, I had a one- or two-day carry, but um, pretty much water everywhere. Speaking of elevation, what was the high point of the timber? I had a new... Uh, uh, personal record for elevation I did uh, I got oh. up to 16,000 feet a little oh, damn. Oh, yeah. wow. That's yeah, high. it was really fantastic you know if you want to you can climb Cotopaxi it's uh, it's a little over 20,000 feet is um, it a walk up no you got to have gear and stuff oh, okay. uh, to do that one hmm. um, so I didn't summit uh, any of the mountains I, there but I don't think there are any 20,000 foot walk ups Kilimanjaro <laughs> Yeah, still oh, not still not a walk up. <laughs> Pretty okay. much, it is. I mean, it's a walk up, yeah. but you, you still have to be right mountaineer prepared. Right. It's not like dude. A... People have gone up Kilimanjaro and wearing rollerblades. What? No, I'm not. I'm not kidding. You. Um, Sorry, okay, let's go this back. This is not a rollerblading show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I can't talk. Wolverine, I can't talk Sorry. about rollerblading. I apologize. 
Back to That's the okay. timber. Back to the timber. Um, what else? Uh, so we've we've covered water. We've covered food. What about navigation? Covered, yeah, talk yeah. to us. How did is you it, know where to go? Is it easy to yeah. follow the trail? Hard to follow easy. the trail. Navigation was easy. Yeah, easy I, you know, all the, the GPS waypoints are all... Um, it was mapped out, again, by this guy, Cass Gilbert. Um, really cool guy. I reached out to him. He was helpful. And he... Um, mapped out all the GPS waypoints and you can get them at the bikepacking.com website. I think I used oh, a wow. map it's the app that I used. What was it? I'm sorry. And, sorry. At, at uh, bikepacking.com. Yeah. We're going to have to bleep uh, that out because we don't talk about biking on this show. <laughs> or, so, or rollerblading. Or rollerblading or skiing for that matter. This is only a hiking show. People are going to be really out. confused trying to Google yeah. bleeppacking.com. <laughs> yeah. We're, so that's, that's cool. You can keep going, but we're just, just, just so you know, that's not going to make it into the recording. All right. So I got all the waypoints at uh, rollerblading.com. <laughs> <laughs> and it was Better. really easy to follow. It's mostly like two tracks and dirt roads. Yeah, really easy to follow. Uh, so that part was cool. I still, of course, I carry paper map and compass. Um, but uh, yeah, navigation was no problem. Where did so, you get your maps? Uh, I just used uh, National Geographic. Uh, it's you know crazy, you know one to one hundred twenty-five thousand scale or something. So it's not super accurate. Um, but you know, if you get lost, you could get to the nearest you know main road or get to the nearest town using that map. How was the uh, stars out there? Did, I mean, like high elevation, you know, out in the open. Did, were you having some pretty awesome stars? Yeah, really beautiful nights. You know, I cowboy camped uh, a bunch of times, and especially up at elevation, um, just really beautiful skies at night. Um, you know, th- this trail, I would say, even if you're a novice, um, not too hard to hike. If you're if you're okay with international travel, and if you speak a little bit of Spanish, you know, you could go down there and, and follow the map and have a great time. As long as you, you don't know, mind getting woken up behind the grocery store. <laughs> well, <laughs> the camping, if you don't mind camping in some weird spots, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, Fidget uh, from her Odyssey, they were smart enough. They would ask when they got to a little town, they would ask, is there a room for rent? And sometimes they would, you know, there'd be people who just had a room in the back of their houses. So they were pretty smart about it. I preferred, I just, I like to stay in outdoors. I like to camp outside. So, um, again, I had to camp in some weird spots, but, uh, the camping was not bad. The weather is perfect. You know, it's like, uh, high 60s, low 70s the whole time. Some rain, but not too bad. Uh, no bears, no bugs, really no bugs. Wow. Uh, and the currency is the U.S. dollar. There's what? No, yeah. The currency of Ecuador is U.S. dollars. Come on. Huh. Yeah. That's crazy. So, is that why the guinea pigs is, were so expensive? <laughs> <laughs> the only thing is there's uh, ATMs are few and far between. So when you get to one, you got to kind of load up a little bit. Yeah. And you got to carry lots of small bills because – you know, if you go into a, a little town and you pull out a twenty dollar bill in the tienda, they're not going to have change for you right, there. So, right. really, yeah, I want to so have gotta... some uh, some guinea pig jerky. Oh yeah, some maybe some sausage. I, I don't know about that. Uh, so, Wolverine, we're we're unfortunately going to have to wrap things up here a little bit, but I I know that you had some sponsors. Uh, so, three things. I know you have some sponsors that you'd like to mention, and yes. number two, would love to hear what your your plans are. And number three, I think you had mentioned to me that you maybe have a question for Salty that we can ask and get her on the next show. I would love that. I, uh, I can answer all three of those. Okay. Um, as far as my sponsors, of course, my friends at Moose Jaw Mountaineering are awesome. You know, a few weeks before this hike, um, I spent five days out on the Appalachian Trail with Moose Jaw giving out uh, trail magic and swag and just oh, having cool. a great time. Yeah, it was in conjunction with uh, the Devil's Backbone Brew Pub. 
they have a huge nice. property and they offer free camping for hikers uh, in Virginia. So just five days of being around hikers, it really, you know, I was really jonesing to get back on the trail. So uh, everyone go to moosejaw.com. Of course, on this hike, I also carried my trusty bandit quilt from Underground Quilts, made with care by Paul and Missy McWalters in Jackson, Michigan. Um, so you can check out their gear at ugqoutdoor.com. UGQ, like uh, Underground Quilt, outdoor.com. And, uh, uh, you know, I've been working with uh, Paul and Anna, uh, Alice Bodner and Ryan Gutthook Lynn at Atlas Guides, and they are just great. Uh, I love what they're doing there, and they've already uh, agreed to help me with my next big adventure. What do you guys know about Kyrgyzstan? <laughs> I know that it's a little one bit. Of, I know it's one of the stands. I know where it is. I it's think in there's Central a, Asia. I think there's yeah. a mountain bike route there, right? Yeah, you're going. There's some pretty awesome Kyrgyzstan. mountains, well, actually. Uh, yeah, I found this one mostly on my own. I did refer to some uh, bikepacking tour reports, but my plan is uh, on or about August 1st, I'm going to fly to Bishkek, Kyrgyzstan. And I plan to hike about 600 miles of that country over six weeks uh, and then fly home. Uh, it looks, you know, the research I've done, it looks really amazing. What, it's bordered by, go ahead. What language do they speak in Kyrgyzstan? Kyrgyz and Russian. Nice. There mm. you go. Awesome. And yeah. the alphabet they use is Cyrillic? Correct. Ooh, that's right. going to be fun. Uh, you know, I got the podcast on how to speak Russian and I'm not doing that very well. That should do it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm trying to get the alphabet down pat so I can at least sound out some words and yeah. that's not going well either. You, but, you know, hey. I hear that Russian is actually one of the easiest languages to learn. <laughs> you know, you got, you got some time. August 1, you said you're going to Kyrgyzstan? Uh, in August. Yeah. So, yeah. You'll you got, be fluent by that. You have plenty of time. I, I just really would like to see what your hands. route is going to look like. <laughs> you, you should you should absolutely send me a copy of your uh, your route plan. I, I want to see it. Sure. Yeah. I'm going to fly. I'm going to fly into. I'm going to fly Detroit to uh, uh, Istanbul and then to Bishkek, Kyrgyzstan. Nice. And I'm going to hike about 500 miles south to uh, Ash, which is like the second biggest city there. And then I'm going to try and climb or at least go to the base camp of. Uh, Peak Lenin. It's like 23,000 feet. Um, and it's on the border between Kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan. Mm-hmm. So I need some permits and stuff, but it's coming together nicely. My sponsors have helped me out and um, wow. the plan is coming together. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to attempt to hike it. Yeah. I hear Bishkek is really great in the summer. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> well, and what, what was your question for Salty? Oh, you know, uh, she, first of all, she's been a great addition to the show. I, you know, she's just really interesting. And my last two hikes, you know, I hike like down to the last dollar. I have no money left and I end up living off white rice and hot sauce and I pull it off. I mean, for more than 10 days, nothing but white rice and hot sauce. Wow. And I just want to talk to her about the, the, the uh, nutritional value of white rice. And, you know, I mean, I don't think you can do it indefinitely, but, um, huh. you know, I want to hear her thoughts on that and, and, and uh, uh, hiking on white rice alone. Okay. Okay. I, that's actually. I, I feel like I can I'm already curious. hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I think she's going to talk about like, because salty doesn't care what you eat, and uh, but I think she's going to talk about like everything, choices and availability and all of those things. So. Right. I, I want to hear about nutritional value of white rice yeah, and hot sure. sauce. I, I mean, a like, lot of places it's a big staple. So. Yeah, but I feel like that's not very nutritional. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's, well, let's we'll, address we'll find this out. on the next we'll show. Okay. Yeah, we'll talk to Salty. Let's not spitball. Yeah, what here. do I know about right, white rice? Nothing. Wolverine, <laughs> where can where can folks go to like check out? You've got a blog, right? Or a website? Oh, yeah. Uh, 
uh, Wolverine CDT, like Connell DeVitro, WolverineCDT.blogspot.com, or find me on Facebook as Chris Hillier or Instagram as uh, C.Hillier. Wolverine, thank awesome. you so much for coming on the show yeah. tonight and schooling us all about the timber. It's a route none of us knew anything about, and now we do. Muchísimas gracias. And, 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 uh, always glad to talk to you guys. Um, I look forward to speaking to you again. Igualmente. All right, man. Hasta keep, luego. Keep, keep, us posted, keep us posted on your Kyrgyzstan. Yeah, I, I really do want to see that route. Yeah. Bishkak, man. I'm okay. telling you, it's awesome. Bien hecho, cabrón. Que tengas un buen día. Adios. Adios. Ciao. <laughs> Aww. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen, Wolverine. He's going to Kyrgyzstan, people. Have you ever been to Kyrgyzstan? Never. Never been to Bishkek in the summer. Uh, only in the winter. Could any of us find Kyrgyzstan lived. on an unmarked map right no. now? I could. I could find Kyrgyzstan. You could? I couldn't pinpoint it exactly. Oh, you'd be I like, could, it's in Asia? I could be like, it's in, you know, it's like it's <laughs> That's like not south. what he said. He said, find it on the map. He didn't say. I couldn't say... find it exactly. But I know that it's like in it's north of Pakistan, north of India. Yeah, there's a whole bunch like of stands all together. East of China, west of China. Okay, that's... All right, folks, we've got to go to break. When we come back, we've got a special trail tip for you from a trail show VIP. Oh, you don't want to miss this. This is crazy. Don't go anywhere. Trail show will be back. Trail Show. This is Rand Forshoe Snyder. I just finished the nut for the North Umpqua Trail, and now I'm approaching the uh, Washington, Oregon High Point on the PCT, hiking southbound back to Crater Life, where I uh, maybe foolishly parked my car. Anyways, uh, yeah, I finally started actually listening to the Trail Show again, oh. and uh, yeah, Sorry. I guess it's pretty good to be back. All right, Rand. Glad to have you back in the fold. Yeah, that's uh, pretty cool. We actually that went well. Trail show, trail show nation. Historians of the trail show might know we actually featured the North Umpqua Trail, Umpqua tra- what? North Umpqua Trail, about four years ago. <laughs> that also, was like back in the P Mags days. Also, Rand Snyder sent us the uh, delivered to us the largest oh, yeah. shipment of beer we have ever. Had. I think special got Wait, that. Wait, was that the Idaho. one with Back. all the individually wrapped ones? Prost, yeah, yeah I remember like, that. It also had like some zebra cakes, some some Fourth of July cakes, and some underwear wrapper. Yeah, things, yeah. And... That was an impressively well packaged package. Yes. I think the the there would have been a larger package from Florida if that, that with the glassware and everything with the gator oh, jerky. Yeah, yeah. If that had not perished i was disappointed via, yeah. about that one so thank you rand for uh finally listening to the show and and way back for the the big haul that you sent us muchas gracias all right we've got a special trail tip this evening yeah so should i cue up the music sure yeah oh dilo <laughs> he was playing beer wench so he couldn't do it so let me just uh explain a few things so uh yeah 
a while back, a few months ago, I think, three, four months ago, we... I think it was three months ago. Special reported the story about a family that was camping in a national park or provincial park. And there was a family and they, they, uh, they were sleeping in their tent in a campground and they got attacked by a wolf. Oh, I remember this story. Yeah. So, yeah, so we uh, special reported on that story. And the, then and, and uh, this was like a crazy story because as, yeah. as much as people like to think wolves are like mean and stuff, actual wolf attacks, extremely yes. rare. Super and so rare. the fact that this actually happened, happened was right. kind of mind blowing. Yes. And it happened in a place where there were a lot of people, which is also very yeah. strange. You might consider them lucky. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Well, we'll ask him and see. So anyway, we reported on the story. And then it turned out that the person who was attacked was this guy, Matthew Snowflake Rispoli, who... Hey, Rispoli! Hey, Rispoli! Who, in the past, before, long before that, had sent us a bunch of gear from Deuter because he used to do some stuff with them. So yeah, I remember the Deuter. Sent Deuter. us some yeah. donation. And, and so, so he, he's been a long-time listener. Um, he's the one. And um, anyway, so, so he got in touch with me right after the show and then we made a plan to kind of follow up. And, and, and so we're just now following up with him. So wait a minute. You're telling me that a trail show VIP was actually the person that was attacked by the wolf in his tent. That is correct. correct. That's amazing. Yeah. Huh. Or or perhaps he got attacked so that he could come on the trail show. <laughs> <laughs> That's another oh. theory. So you know, We'll have to ask him about that. Trail show we? legal. Uh, <laughs> what's your opinion on you casting aspersions on, on yeah. libel or slander? What's going on there? Uh, you know, all of my opinion is that if you really want to get on the trail show, you don't have to necessarily get attacked by a wolf. You could just call the hotline 720-893-2269. But that's all I have to say. Hey, that was that. a. Great I mean, we've got some hotline calls later, but first <laughs> right. we've got to talk to so, Matthew. So okay, so I'm. He wrote in a letter, and I'm going to read that, and then we're actually going to follow up with him on the phone line. Are we going to call him? Uh, he's going to call us. I think. Okay. It's going to be timed perfectly. Okay. Hey, Trail Show. As a longtime listener, I quickly realized during my two-hour ambulance ride in August that my family and I were going to be featured on your news segment. I'm glad that we were there with him. <laughs> That's right. In the ambulance. Right. He was like, thank God I listened to the trail show. I'm the Wolfman's brother's brother. <laughs> D-Lo? No? D-Lo? The Wolfman's brother. The Wolfman's brother. Coming down, down on me. me. Okay. My family and I were attacked by a lone wolf while camping in Banff at a campground. We practice leave no trace principles, as noted by my LNT Nalgene sticker, <laughs> and we drive a Subaru. So I'm still confused why nature had it out for us. <laughs> uh, joking aside, shortly after falling asleep, the wolf started trying to get into our tent. We had no food or scented items in the tent. At the time, I had I had no idea what was trying to get in, and it bit my hand through the tent <laughs> splash rainfly when I pushed back. Maybe pushing back wasn't the best idea, but I had my wife and five and seven-year-old boys in the tent with me in only two seconds to react. I had a can of bear spray just above my head, and I searched for it in the dark with my free hand, but I quickly realized that even if I found it, I wouldn't be able to pull the pin with one hand and wouldn't be able to spray it in the tent with my family inside. Yeah. I fought back by punching it in the neck, which felt as effective as scratching it behind the ear. Good wolf. (laughs) I even hit it in the face with a broken tent pole. In total, I was bit five or six times, and thankfully, my family was unharmed. 
As wow. a longtime backpacker from the Northeast, I've always carried an air horn and a small <laughs> multi-tool pocket knife, but my blowtorch was out of reach. Yeah. Mm. Rookie mistake. What do you bring for protection while camping? This experience has changed my view on protection, and I now hike and camp while wearing a knife that hangs from my <laughs> neck because hanging a blowtorch from my neck is too cumbersome. I tried it. I uh, still got a sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> As an update on us, we're doing better, and I'm almost completely healed physically. We still love nature, and I'm not putting down my backpack just yet, but sleeping in a tent definitely makes me feel like a burrito now. Hmm. Thanks for the killer podcast. It has saved me in many way, many long commutes. And my God, man, please keep the sound effects coming. Of course. Yes. Sincerely, Another. Matthew Snowflake Rispoli. Wait. I think he needs a new trail name. I'm just going to throw it out there right now. Snowflake. Uh, no, you fought a wolf. Okay. Well, he did say that some wolf people have been calling him Wolfman. Yeah. I mean, like then. Wolfman doesn't even say it. Uh, uh, oh, here he is. Gladiator. Let's, let's christen him with a new trail name. Why don't we talk definitely. to Matthew? Let's yeah. talk to Matthew. See what's up. Ooh. Hello, this is the Ooh. trail show. What up, Wolfie? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? Is this the wolf flake? <laughs> it is, it That's is. That's all right. That's all right. We could do, right. better, we can do better. Or the snow wolf? No. The snow, snow wolf. Oh, yeah. yeah. I like that. Bloody snow, snow wolf. We, yeah, we've been working on a new trail name for you here. Yeah, uh, we're going we're gonna to get you a new one before we're done here. Snowflake. Somebody gave me wolf punch. That one, I like, but uh, I was trying to decide. What about I, Wolf Slayer? Yeah. Oh my god! Although I don't think he slayed the wolf. You didn't really slay the wolf. <laughs> Go ahead. Disco. How about fights with wolves? Wolf Punch. It is <laughs> Disco Special Delo Triple O and Pod from the Trail Show. We just relayed your story and read your letter. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Man, I can't believe that you were the one. <laughs> right that was that was basically the victim in that story we read um i didn't connect the dots at the time we covered the story and it's kind of crazy that um yeah it it was you and i'm sure you probably feel the same uh i don't know like i, I you know i think i wrote it in the letter on yeah. the ambulance ride, I was like, yep, I'm going to be on yeah. the trail show. So <laughs> just, just out of curiosity, how quickly after the attack did you realize that you were going to be on the trail show? <laughs> well, there was a two-hour drive, so we're probably going, and you had to wait two hours for the ambulance to actually get to you. Oh, so man. it was probably three hours into it, yeah. So and pretty much first thing on your mind. Uh, yeah, how important were we to your recovery? <laughs> You were about three hours important. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So um, what was the extent of your injuries? I got bit about six times, something like that. Certain areas, like my hand, it was hard to tell how right. many times it bit me. Hmm. Um, but yeah, a uh, couple stitches, a couple rabies shots that I found out I didn't need later on, thankfully. Wow. And then good. a lot of PT. Oh, wow. Did they find the wolf? They did. And yeah, they, and so I, I actually have pictures. Did of they? It. They killed it. Probably. Did they right? destroy it? They did. It yeah. actually. You won't read this anywhere, but it went after the police officer. <gasps> Whoa! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did, so it 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 was a, uh, a a crazy one to say the least. 
Did you? Uh, did they offer you like any of its teeth or anything like that, so that you can <laughs> no. wear them as a sweet necklace? I wanted some kind of a necklace or something. Yeah, like a, at least a pelt, like a thong pelt or something. Totally. I don't know. Yeah, but no, nothing. That's that's kind of a shame. In in all seriousness, was there any speculation? As I mean, we were just discussing discussing like wolf tax on people are extremely rare on the planet. Um, yeah, compared- I was told I'm I'm one of four in Canada. Yeah, ever right? One yep. of, or at least in documented history. So, so was there any speculation as to why this wolf was acting the way it was? I mean, could it have had rabies, or or was something else going on? So it was tested, no rabies, but it's got to be. They're guessing it was older because its lower teeth were rounded, which yep. was sure. a good thing for me when it bit me. Hmm. Um, yeah. And then it was underweight, which was also a good thing for me. Okay. So yeah. based on those two things alone, it probably had trouble hunting, got kicked out of the pack, and uh, then was roaming around huh. near the road. In addition, it kind of to go into the story, like it was right. Our campsite was the closest to the river with like this big kind of trail that led right to it. So I think it came up from the river. It was starving and just, hey, what's inside this, you know, burrito here. What What time of night was it? Uh, like 11.30. Okay. Wow. So, like, you all had already gone to bed, and it, and this sort of woke you up, or, or... Yeah, yeah, we were all sleeping in our tent, and it just came right out the tent, and it was, I think at first it was poking around, hmm. and then my wife woke me up, and, yeah, it just started coming at us. Oh, that's crazy, and hmm. I... I included on here, I was just pointing out to the others that um, on our show sheet, I included the picture that you sent me. You said that after you guys had been evacuated from the tent, it actually went back and there's a hole in your bear canister that it bit a hole. And I think you also told me that it took a crap on your stuff. <laughs> it did. It did. So it was, it was a bit of a turd. I, I don't know. That's the word I keep using for the wolf. That was its trail name, I guess. Wait a minute. <laughs> turd wolf. It, went. it bit this picture that you sent us. Is a picture of your bear spray, and it bit through the can. Is that what I'm looking at? It did. So, God, that must have sucked for you the wolf. <laughs> There's another speculation I have. We were playing music at our campsite. Was okay. it? And I don't know if he was like an LNT guy or something, but he also <laughs> chewed up our Bluetooth speaker. Uh, really? So there is. He did. He so pretty much he chewed up everything sleeping bags he ripped everything apart there was no food in anything i've been backpacking for almost 20 years now uh it just i think it was just kind of claiming it that's why it pooped on everything too that's so crazy it was just saying this is my this is my territory wow because when they came back it was circling around our campsite over and over again so you wake up at 11 30 there's something poking at your tent your wife wakes you up you start poking back at it punching at it and next thing you know, this thing like bites through the tent on your hand, right? And you're like, wow. Yeah. So, 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 so then what? He wakes me up and it's kind of like an ongoing, like, it's like an ongoing joke with us. The first day we ever camped out, we hiked up to the AT section in New Jersey and camped out. And she woke me up in the middle of the night screaming, there's a spider on your face. <laughs> <laughs> it was too dark to see the spider, but she's woken me up a hundred times saying something's outside. We saw a bear before we pulled into the trail entrance or the uh, the campground entrance. So hmm. we were kind of on like heightened alert all night. 
Yeah. So there was yeah. a small black bear in the area. I was like, we're definitely paying attention. Make sure the bear sprays right above my head. Just kind of like, all right, it's here if I need it, just in case. So when she said something's outside, I sat up, which is not my normal reaction. Um, no, is your normal reaction, yeah, yeah, wall. yeah. <laughs> Normally I lay there and I'm like, it's nothing. It's a squirrel. It's this. And I go back to bed. But when she said at this time, I sat up and the whole tent wall came in at me and I yelled, get back. I was just, Whoa. I'm actually, I'm a police officer on the side. Uh, so, on the side. I'm like, and I'm, I'm, I dabble. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I'm like uh, the one bear conditioning officer in the department, which means I have rubber pellets that I've never had to use in 10 years. And wow. I pretty much know I can yell at a bear over a PA and it'll run away. Yeah. So, you know, so what I try to do is put on my mean voice and yell, right. get back, thinking this is that black bear right. sniffing around and he's going to run away. So when I yell, get back, it doesn't. A second later, the whole tent comes in again. Whoa. And I have, I got my older son on my right side if I'm laying on my back. He's seven. My wife to my left. Yeah. Seven he's, years he, old. He's seven yeah. at the okay. time. Yeah. And then all the way on the other side is my five-year-old. Yeah. Uh, we we, we kind of sleep in the middle of them because my seven-year-old, I don't know if he thinks he's like auditioning for like the exorcist or something, but... <laughs> He moves around all night long. So so that's why we sleep that way when we camp. Um, so the tent wall comes in, and I push back, and it snaps down on my hand. Oh. And that was the first. There was like a thought beforehand, like, wait, you know, maybe this is a kid. Like, I'm from New Jersey. People mess around with each other. I don't know if they do it in Canada, but maybe somebody else from Jersey's here. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we push back. It snaps down, and... I don't remember screaming, but she says she scre- I screamed like she's never heard. Wow. And I just remember thinking it felt like my hand was just being crushed. Like, Oof. I've never felt anything like it. So it, it, it so, bit in hell, hey? Oh, yeah, it bit, it bit straight down. And then it, so, and you have to, at that time, there's a rain fly on the tent. We have all, like, our backpacking gear. This is not one of these big, expansive tents. It's a super lightweight, like, four-person backpacking tent. So I don't really even have that much room to move. So it pulls back and it rips the rain fly off. And I think my wife fell asleep with her Kindle on because it was like shining up and uh, I could see the outline of the wolf right whoa, away. So oh, that's when you knew what it was. What? Yeah. And then you get that creepy, the eyes are glowing. It's oh my God. not blinking. It's nothing like a movie, right? It doesn't like, doesn't growl or snarl. It doesn't like pace around. It just stares. And then comes right back in again. So I yell, like, it's a wolf, it's a wolf, get the kids. And she jumps on, you know, my youngest, which is right next to her. And when I yell that, my younger son sits up, startled, and then pushes himself backwards and actually is now inches from where the wolf's attacking. Oh, so man. I, I yell, no, no, no. He's, you know, he's startled. He has no idea what's going on. So I reach out with my left hand and grab his sleeping bag and then twist and throw him behind me. And when I twist, it snaps again and gets the back of my right arm. Oh, so that, it, that was probably the most painful one hmm. because it didn't, like when it got my hand, there was like bones and maybe things like Veins. stopping it from yeah. squeezing it together. Yeah. When it got my tricep, it, it just squeezed meat together. You just felt oh. it like crunch. Oh, 
So that was, for me, that was like the turning point. Like I'm pretty good at problem solving when uh, stuff goes south. I'm trying not to curse. I curse a lot. No, that's <laughs> so, yeah, all right. We, we, we'll bleep, we'll bleep it, it man. Just, just tell your story. All right, good. So, yeah. Um, so, I don't know. That was definitely like, okay, my wife has one. The other one's behind me. Turn and face this. And as I'm turning back, because it must have pulled off my tricep at the time, obviously, oh. I had no idea. It's lower... Uh, Oh. its lower teeth were rounded. So every time it went to pull, like if this was a young wolf with yeah. sharp teeth, it would it probably would have been taken out chunks, Ooh. honestly. That's so crazy. So it oh pulled gosh. back. Yeah, uh, horrible. I mean, so it pulls back, and as I'm turning, it's already snapping again, and it gets my right hand again. And I'm reaching around with my left hand trying to find the bear spray. I can't find it, and I quickly realize, like, what I'm going to do, spray myself inside the tent. Like I'm going to be blind. The kids are going to be blind and I don't have a second hand to even pull the pin out. So I give up on that. And strangely enough, I like wrestle around with my dog a lot normally. Yeah. It's a, I don't know if it's a New Jersey thing, but that's what I do. So he like, he will from time to time lightly put his mouth like over right. my hand. Right. And that like clicks. So I grab the wolf's lower jaw back basically you say hey okay yep. you've got me but i also have you you can't bite me again right now huh and totally. i tried punching it you know two times with my like left hand and this is like an ongoing i'm picturing this right now and you look college. so tough i'm just going to tell you <laughs> no like, no it, it like grabbing like honestly ever. for real like having the the presence of mind to go like i'm going to grab its lower jaw to try to like let it know that that i've got some control in this situation and then, like, unleashing a couple of punches on it. I, I, I'm sure you've probably felt, like, pretty away in the moment. But that, that is tough as hell to, in, the, in, in that moment, be like, I'm going to grab you, I'm going to punch you. Like, that's, that's pretty tough. Well, somebody from, like, across, like, I think from, like, New Zealand wrote, I don't know how you hike with those balls, but it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got happy. really nice comments from people around the world, which was awesome. But no, honestly, I just was like, okay, now it's time to fight back. So I punched it twice and was like, instantly knew it was ineffective. Like it wasn't going to do anything. So what I did was what I do to my dog. Sometimes I grabbed its upper snout with my left hand and then kind of like laid on its head, like pinned it. And when I pinned it, I think it was probably like, what the hell just happened? Cause I put all my weight on its head and it pulled backwards. And this is where all the news articles kind of tried to get like sensationalize it. Like, Oh, I dragged him out of the tent. It dragged me out of the tent, but I was holding on to it. It was just trying to back up. Gotcha. Okay. So it pulled me out. My wife sees me getting pulled out and she thinks it's got me by the neck. Oh, she no. Know I'm, Wait, you're I'm pulled, like fighting back. How are you pulled out of the tent? Through a hole that the wolf like put because, through the flies? Because at this or? point, there's already a couple holes. Yeah. And they're not, I don't think they're that big, but I know when I laid on it and pinned it that I felt only fur. I remember thinking like, wow, the fur is really thick on a wolf. Like it was like a strange thought that went through my head. <laughs> so, you know, the, the stuff you think about in the middle of it. So, yeah, it, it, it pulls. And it, it's not like it just pulled me in the tent ripped. The whole tent pancaked. Like it snapped uh, yeah. all the poles. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, like, 
Yeah. So it did. So she sees me getting dragged out and grabs my ankle. And I'm all happy. I think, oh, I got this thing. He can't bite me more. And now all of a sudden I'm separated and don't know why. I find out later it's because she pulled my ankle to try to help. Hmm. So I pop up and my, my mind is just like, I need a weapon. I need a weapon. And I was always the backpacker who's like an air horn, small little pocket knife to do whatever. And you're good. Like, what are you, am I really going to fight off a bear or this or that? And then I was just like, <laughs> I need something. So I look down and there's a section of tent pole that's like snapped, like three feet long, like perfect. And I remember picking it up with my right hand and thinking, wow, my right hand still works. Like, Jeez. hey, that's a good thing. Hmm. So I smack it on the side of the head and it didn't care in the slightest again and just leaps at me. So I put my left arm out, kind of like thumb up right in front of it and give it my left arm and it snaps onto that. And then I kind of try to like, I was trying to fight for seconds. That's what I told all my friends. I'm like, I was trying to just extend every moment because we're yelling for help over and over. And we're just screaming, help, help, like trying to get somebody to help. And as far as campsites go, these are pretty spread out. Hmm. They're like a hundred feet from tent to tent. You know, it's not like uh, your yeah. standard car camping, at least from the sites I've been to, where it's like ten sites in a twenty loop, you know, twenty foot loop. Right. So, yeah, it. Uh, I I pin up with it and kind of like lean forward as it has my left arm and just wrap my right arm under its neck and just once again try to pin it because so it can't bite me again. And it was probably four seconds later that Russ, the guy in the next, you know, tent site over, kicks it in the side. Wow. And it goes flying off me. And that's when I left up and just started grabbing. The whole campsite was, like, surrounded by, like, melon-sized boulders. So I just start grabbing those and hurling them at it. He does the same thing. He's, like, holding, like, a lantern. I, it, it was like straight out of a movie. I felt like he was like a superhero. He's holding the lantern up, lantern up, yelling, get back. I'm like, who is this dude? He's amazing. So, yeah, we're lobbing boulders at it. We hit it once or twice, but it was just circling back and forth, just staring, waiting for like an opening. Hmm. I'm yelling to my wife, like, get the kids in the car because the car is, I don't know, 10 feet away. Yeah. yeah. And she goes and, of course, the keys are inside the tent, which is now pancaked with stuff all oh. over. Right. So she can't finish on the rental car has uh, one of those motion sensors or, you know, uh, proximity like sensors to the key fob. So I'm going to drag the tent over. So she drags the tent over. Oh, yeah. But it's not close enough. It's not working. I run over and I hit the button. It's still not working. And then Russ is like, there's, you know, my car's right over there. So this is probably where we all made a mistake. We, you know, I grabbed one kid's hand. She grabbed another. And we just sprinted. Yeah, and didn't look back. And as far as a wolf goes, that's probably a horrible idea. Yeah, but chase instinct. We all run. It follows us over to his campsite. I remember when I got in the car, he had a towel in his car because he has two young boys just like I do, and and a wife with him. Hmm. And I grab a towel out of his car. I start wrapping my arm up and just applying pressure everywhere. Yep. And then he. Uh, he yells, get back again. He's yelling at it. I hear his wife yelling at it and circling their tent. The good thing is from like the first bite, it seemed like it was focused on me. Like it like had my blood or my whatever. Yeah. It, it was picked like, out the I biggest guy. That guy. <laughs> yep. Wow. That's, I actually questioned that when I stood up for the first time, if he was like, 
what the heck? Wait, you were two feet tall a second ago when I was fighting you. <laughs> yeah. How did you just get Toma six feet tall? So, yeah. So, and then Russ took me and, you know, his family got help, but that was, uh, so, that so, was the night. So what happened? Like, so you guys went over there and then did that guy and his family get in the car and then you just rolled out or? Yeah. So from there, he's, he's driving somebody else from the States. Definitely. Obviously. Is like he thinks that it's some like domestic situation and somebody's being kidnapped. <laughs> he's got like, a, a knife and a can of bear spray and he's ready to go and he won't let us leave. We're trying to leave. And I'm like, Russ, you got to drive, buddy. Like, I need to go to the hospital. I don't yeah. know, you know, my arm, everything is just killing me. So, and this guy's like, you know, giving us 20 questions. And I'm like, can we go? Like, are we good here? So wow. he's actually the one later on who went to the campsite. And took the picture of the, you know, the bear spray. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I got to say, I was just to throw this in. You wouldn't believe how many people, or maybe you would, ran and jumped in their car when we were screaming for help. Yeah. Really? So, you know, that's, that's something to keep in mind. We found out later on, like, the people right across from us, the people on the other side of us, they all ran and got in their cars. You wow. know, this guy stepped over his wife and kids. And, and came running to help. So that's, wow. yeah, he's definitely an amazing guy. Have you stayed in um, touch with him? So, yeah. Yeah, we have. So actually, I had a week because they were saying I needed like a set type of rabies vaccine that they had there, hmm. even though we didn't know at the time if it had rabies. So we spent the rest of our trip just hanging out in the hotel room, getting rabies shots, doing all the fun stuff that you do on vacation. <laughs> so we got together with them one more time, took them out with the kids and then got their mailing address, and my kids are like pen pals with them now. Like, oh my god, we've done a whole bunch of stuff to just try to say thank you. I send them a wolf pack shirt, you know. All the fun <laughs> <Nice. stuff. laughs> so, are you are you gonna get so, like yeah, a commemorative um, tattoo? <laughs> uh, you know what? I wanted to. Like, it's it's actually strange. While we were on vacation, the kids are like, "I want to buy that wolf toy." At first, they were paranoid of every dog they saw. <laughs> oh man! But you almost like when you go through something, you almost like take it on. Like, yeah. Oh, this is now a part of me. Yeah. Which is why I'm hesitant to take on the wolf pack or wolf punch or wolf, whatever name. Cause I'm like, Ugh. like, do I really want that to be right? To right. define me. You know I, I think, mean? I think you and the guy from, uh, from Colorado who, the guy who uh, wrestled the mountain lion to the ground yeah. and killed it and killed it. I think the yeah, two of you yeah. need to hang out and yeah. go, maybe go on a hike together. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the odds are definitely in our favor. We should be safe. And maybe that other guy who like you guys hatcheted make, the black bear. You, you yeah. guys can also maybe go in on like a, a lotto ticket thing. Yeah, yes, totally. please. <laughs> It so, could be good. It so could. is everybody healed? I know you had told me a while ago that your one of your kids was kind of struggling a little bit with sleeping, which is reasonable. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a while. Yeah. It definitely is. Like my seven year old, you know, he keeps using the word. I want to face my fears. Like I had them out maybe a month ago playing, you know, basketball outside in the dark with flashlights and stuff, just to like, hey, we're outside and it's just okay. Like, right. I know it's dark out, but we're fine. Have so you getting used to it? My wife is like, um, it's going to be a long time before I'm in a tent again. <laughs> my yeah. whole, that will never happen to us. Then I can't really use that anymore. So. <laughs> I, I yeah. definitely it won't feel happen like, twice. I feel like you should somehow get a teardrop 
manufacturer like the like to to get you guys a, a hard little toe behind yeah some something like and you know they can do it up like with like wolfproof stickers on it or something oh, like that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, you should definitely get <laughs> yeah. somebody on board with this totally yeah. that's that's what we said that will be the next one i went out i, I told pod i went out a month later it was supposed to be a rock climbing trip but my arms were definitely not in rock climbing shape so i, I was out in colorado and I felt like a burrito the entire night. Like that was the only way to describe it. But I was like, I have, you know, I'm not going to give up backpacking. Like I've been doing it for so long. It's definitely one of my favorite things to do. So, well, and the chances of you getting attacked by a wolf again, I'd say are like almost (laughs) astronomically zero, right? Well, uh, it might just be the checklist though. Like, okay, I got a wolf and I got to do the cougar. Like, let's go down the line. (laughs) (laughs) Watch out for the badgers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we were so glad that we were able to be with you in your time of need. We know that it's because of the trail show that you survived that great attack. Yeah. Uh, and, and recovered. All the, all and recovered. the information I learned. Yes. <laughs> just, just be a little careful on the full moons coming up. Yeah. So yeah. I did put you yeah. down for trail tip. So do you, do you have a trail tip for us out of this experience? You know, the only trail tip I can think of, Besides, I was joking with you about sharpening uh, tent stakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Keep, keep your mind, like, it doesn't have to be a wolf attack. It could be anything that happens on the trail, and you have to keep problem solving the entire time. If something happens, you have to, if you can, stop and think. And then, like, I scanned myself, you know, I like to use that word, but I went head to toe and just went over my body to move each thing, each finger. Like, can I move this one? Can I move that one? So if something goes wrong, take a second to just analyze what happened to you and what you can actually move and use and then go from there and just keep problem solving. I think that's a great tip. Yeah, fantastic. Wow. And would you recommend that I uh, let my seven-year-old listen to this uh, segment of the trail show uh, before our upcoming camping trick of, of Thanksgiving week? Yeah, that's. I, I think it's the only way because he's going to know that the wolf attack is done. Like this only happens like every fifteen, twenty, fifty years. True. Okay. You yeah, guys yeah. are good yeah. now. It's already All right. happened. All right, cool. So that's you, yeah, that's great. That's great. So yeah, I'll uh, I'll tell my wife that I want uh, my eldest son to listen to this section of this segment of the trail show um, because it's not going to happen to us. The odds are in are in her favor. That's right. Yeah. I took care of it. Yep. Hey, thanks for taking one for the yeah, team. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. Hey, man. Th- <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for for sharing all the the the, the story with us and uh, reliving those details. I know that can be difficult sometimes, and uh, we appreciate also you, you know, being a longtime listener and and the swag you sent us a while back. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's it's funny. Like, I turned down Good Morning America, the Whoa. Today Show, like, <laughs> all these people. But wow. No, Anderson it, Cooper. It's not to like, it, yeah, no, it's not to pat you guys on the back. Like we had everybody. Re- they just asked us last week to be on the Amazing Race. And we're like, wow. okay. Do it. But it just—it's not. If if I can share the story and it will help people, yeah, great. But if if my me sharing the story is going to help somebody get ratings, and you're going to focus on it dragged me out of the tent and it yeah. did like. I don't need that. That's not going to help my family. It's not going to help anybody. It's just going to scare people. 
And we all know that the yeah. you know trail show ratings are so high. So you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just please don't, We're just don't really share helping my you. Instagram or anything like that. <laughs> right. Okay. I can't handle that kind of bump. Uh, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll, Mike, we'll we'll keep it tame. We'll yeah. you know. Right on. Well, thanks Perfect. so much, man. Thanks for for sharing your story with us, and we are so glad that you're okay. And that that your family was okay. Yeah. And um, yeah, for real. That's uh, I can't imagine what kind of a crazy adrenaline yeah, rush totally. you must have been on for just days, probably right. afterwards. <laughs> so that's pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, it was a roller coaster after. Yeah. Totally. Well, thanks a lot, and uh, we hope that you continue to listen. Deal, uh, uh, Disco. We'll try to give you some uh, extra sound effects tonight. Of course. Do you mm. have any clips that you want to nice. play? Um, not quite, not quite yet. You know, I'm going to play one in his honor as soon as we hang up with oh, him. And, you can't I, do and both. I, yeah, I can't do both. I think he knows which one yeah, it I is. I think he does too. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, um, man or beast. Yeah, man or beast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Wolfman, Snow Wolf, Snowflake, Snowflake, Wolf Punch, Wolf, wolf Wrestler, punch. Wolf Wrestler, yep, Wolf yep. Wrestler. Uh, we appreciate uh, you sharing your story with <laughs> the us. Wolf Strangler. Ooh. Wolf yeah. tribe. Ooh, that could be good. <laughs> um, yeah, and and, we, wolf. and hopefully uh, you you can get the whole family back out there soon. Absolutely, I pre- oh you know if if I could throw in one more thing, please, please, sure. yes. please do. You know, you know, I I know you guys have your uh, issues with some sleeping pads, but I want to say like I reached out to a company and just said, hey, this is what happened to my family. Yeah. We were out like two grand in equipment and we had four thermorest sleeping pads and i was like hey you know i don't know if i can share we've been influencers for other companies even though we've kind of gotten away from that and i just said hey i don't know if i can help you at all but financially i don't have the money to spend two grand more right now and buy all new equipment for the whole family yeah and i don't want to kind of put camping kind of behind me right and i only had four sleeping pads and they were like amazing. They're like, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to promote us in any way. But here, we're going to send you like four sleeping bags, four sleeping pads, pillows, like all wow. the stuff. They were amazing. So I just, they're like, we don't need you to share or do anything. We just want your family to get back on the trail, get back out in the woods whenever wow. you guys are ready. So wow, that was awesome. Thermor- kind of sharing Thermorous? that story with everybody. Yeah. Okay. So just kind of a thank you cool. to them because that was definitely awesome of them to it's very cool in return and just try to help a family. So, so you know, awesome. if like you did need some more gear, what kind of, what kind of pieces of gear are you still looking for? No, we're, we're good. Uh, we talked to like big Agnes and they got us a tent and Therma nice. got us everything else. So because, because the wolf pooped on everything, we found out that wolves have some crazy disease that can't be tested for. And you won't know for like 10 years if you have it. And the only way to know if you have it is just like, like they test your liver or this or that, what? and it can kill you. Like some like wacky, wacky disease that there's no way to test for it until after. Hmm. So the guy from Canada Parks was like, "So I would throw everything out, even if it looks okay." Wow, yeah, crazy. I was like, okay. Yeah. So even the things, all the sleeping pads were ripped up, but even what wasn't, I was like, "Ah, eh, just throw this out." Actually, yeah. Good idea. funny story. The only thing I kept. Were the tent stakes. <laughs> <laughs> we need to That's review awesome. those tent stakes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. Late, cool. Super lightweight tent stakes. And I was like, uh, these are probably fine. He didn't chew on tent stakes. <laughs> I mean, oh they, they stayed in the ground, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I appreciate it. 
I appreciate awesome. letting me get the shout out. And yeah. I just, I appreciate what they did for our family. So that was amazing. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us and uh, happy trails to you and your family, man. Thank you. You guys too. Be good. Okay. Have a good night. Good night. Thanks. All right, folks. And there he there goes. He, goes. he just ran down another wolf. I, I'm wow. speechless. That I don't even know what to say. crazy. That's an all time trail show story. I know. That yeah. really is. That really is. I it's also unreal. love that, we, that, that, that he gave us the scoop on That's the, right. the Today Show. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Uh, well, that, yeah, I can't even imagine how, uh, how crazy freaked out that must have been. Oh, man. And then he had the presence of mind to be like, Oh, uh, sometimes when I wrestle with my dog, if I grab its lower jaw, it oh like God, gives, up, gives up a little bit. Uh-huh. I'm going to try that and then punch it in the face. Like, like that's it's insane. Uh, whether it worked or not, that's tough as hell. You know what it I is. mean? I mean, I bet the, I'd love to like look at some data. I bet the odds of him winning the lottery like five times in a row are greater <laughs> right. than what happened to him and his right. family. Totally. totally. You know, I unreal. Well, that was awesome. We really appreciate it. Uh, Lone Wolf, Wolf Punch, Punchy Wolf. Do we have another Snow phone wolf. call to we make do. Like, right about now? We do. We still haven't set the table, but we are going to go ahead oh, and... Trail news. Uh, I get and we're eating at the buffet. That's right. We're at the buffet. <laughs> do I get to go pee first? Yeah. We can go pee. yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. Go pee. And uh, I think we have one Paul Magsmanianti calling us soon. Our, ooh. Uh, let me see. Yeah. I are we too. doing this seance style? Unknown. Is that like from the great beyond? Trail show hotline. Go. <laughs> How's it going, guys? P-Max, hey, what hello. is up, man? <laughs> Nothing much. Just chilling here in the land of 5.0 beer. Oh. oh. And, but it, and, and we should talk about that. It just went up from, what, 4.2 to 5? Well, yeah, we're living large now at the grocery stores. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Unbelievable. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got Paul Max Mignanti, former trail show co-host and man of the wild. We actually have his book here, new book called How to Survive Your First Trip in the Wild, Backpacking for Beginners. P-Max, how the hell are you doing? Uh, doing great. Life's going well in Moab. Uh, I, I, I live with a pretty kick-ass person. We do lots of fun stuff. Um, yeah, life's good. Oh, that's fantastic. So, so Max, is the title of your new book called Wild? <laughs> yeah, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, seems... yeah Weiss Witherspoon did the introduction. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sequel, D'Lo. It's a sequel. Oh, it's like uh, Back to the Wild. I think wild. it's a prequel, actually. <laughs> yeah, or you're a prequel. Gonna, you're going to finish the other Wild now. <laughs> I will. I'm so close. It's funny that you say that because the, the backpack that's pictured on the cover actually looks like the backpack from the movie Wild. <laughs> it's an external frame. <laughs> no. Maybe well, you know, I like that military surplus stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, P-Mags, talk to us about this book. What was the impetus for it, and why did you write it? Um, I wrote it because uh, they paid me, mainly number one. But, uh, <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they actually approached me. Um, they're, this company, they do their research and what's going to be a good-selling book, and they figure backpacking is pretty popular right now, so they look for... Um, people like myself who do freelance writing and um, blogging haven't quite made that next step yet. And they said, hey, would you like to write a book? Hmm. And at first I thought it was a scam, like, you want me to write a book? I'm like, oh, you guys are legitimate. Hmm. So uh, I signed the contract, and um, they gave me the material they wanted me to write about. And September 3rd, it got published and sold. I, I got to say, um, one of my, you know, 
I've looked through the book a couple times now. I love the illustrations. I'm just going to yeah. throw that out right out of the gate. It's like a, a visually appealing book. Who did the illustrations? Their in-house illustrator. Okay. I didn't quite get the person's name, but yeah, he did a fantastic job. I mean, I thought it really brought the the book to life. And yeah, um, they had a, a limited illustration budget. And they were going to do the standard, like I don't know, let's do an illustration of trail shoes and stoves. And I started putting these quotations in. Hmm. Then they started making these really great illustrations around the quotations, and I thought it really added a lot to the book. Absolutely. I like this uh, illustration of uh, D'Lo in 20 years on, uh, on <laughs> page 46 of the <laughs> the guy doing the, the yoga. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that was definitely oh, yeah, my that favorite was, Yeah, one. that's me, right, with the vest, Max. Yeah. He needs the green vest so he can work to make guckin', so you can yeah. have D'Lo <laughs> And I, I, I have a hat like that now. Yeah, that's totally me, Max. Wow. The so, facial hair uh, matches, I'm very too. impressed. Thanks, buddy. In brief, what will people learn from... How to survive your first trip in the wild? With taking a deep breath, uh, doing lots of preparation, it can be a lot of fun. And don't get too bogged down in the gear. It's more about skills and preparation uh, than all the, the goodies you can buy. And it doesn't have to be expensive or hard. It can just take your time, get ready. It'll be a lot of fun. Very cool. Very cool. Are there yeah. is there some hard-earned wisdom from your own hiking um, experience in this book? I'd like to think so. Um, okay. Meaning it's, you know, it's not rocket scientists. It's walking at the end of the day, but a few simple things about getting ready and uh, enjoying yourself is the main thing overall. I noticed that you included a section about tent stakes in here. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> what about water, well, Max? Yeah. I, uh, I skipped. So swag, I, you know? <laughs> I, I, I've been reading the book um, for the past couple of weeks, you know, make my way through it. Uh, you know, read a couple chapters a night, but I, I seem to have either fell asleep when I was reading or, or like dozed off when I was reading the chapter on uh, water treatment. Um, so what does your book talk about in terms of water treatment? Um, do you talk about, you know, treating your water, not treating your water? Uh, you know, what, what does it discuss there? I just seem to have missed that chapter. <laughs> I may have missed it too at times, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, being a little serious, I mentioned here's the the sawyer squeeze is the most. <gasps> oh god! Oh, we lost of him. course, right when we were talking about water treatment, he was like, "Pass out." He's what like, "Later, internet outage." I, what just <laughs> happened? <laughs> Talk to you. We just lost P Mags. P Mags, are you back? I'm back. Oh right. Okay, great. So you can tell Mike. Microsoft owns Skype now. They want money to keep <laughs> using it. Of course they do. All right, so Mags, you treat all your water. That's great. Um, let's talk about wolves. Wolves. Yeah. The we animals. didn't notice a section in there about what to do if you get attacked by a wolf. So could you address that? <laughs> all I'll say is, uh, ever read um, Justin Lichter Trauma's book? Yeah. Yes. And he had something about snakes and mountain lions in it. Now I know why, because people who don't do outdoor stuff are really scared about that kind of stuff. Yeah. And the expert makes you put that in. I see. He also got stalked by a lioness in Africa. Pretty crazy. There is yeah, a section in here on, on bears. More... <laughs> no, I've I... never been attacked by a mountain lion or a bear. So. Yeah. We actually were just speaking with a gentleman on the phone who did get attacked by a wolf, which is why we uh, threw that out there. But anyway... 
back to the book. <laughs> Wait, so Max, your your introductory to backpacking book does not cover how to survive a wolf attack. <laughs> I feel like that's it a serious not, oversight. Um, that's going to be the advanced backpacking along with anacondas. <laughs> That'll be and, book two. Um, yeah, exactly. Hey, okay. Hey, Max, I have a question for you. Uh, so Andrew Skirka is actually sponsoring the show. And um, wow. yeah, for yeah. his his trips. And I was just curious. I know you used to do some guiding with him. Are you still doing that? Yeah, we did uh, two weeks together this past summer in Yosemite. Um, I got Andrew did one week, and I did a week with Brian Robinson as well. And it yeah, was, uh, flying Brian. Brian. Yosemite. Uh, yeah, and Yosemite. I haven't been there since I've done the PCT, and it's just the backcountry of Yosemite is so different from the PCT area. It's just an amazing place. P Max, you mentioned at the front end of this call that you were in Moab. Are you telling me you don't live in Boulder, Colorado anymore? What's going on? I I don't. Uh, I, I live here in the high desert now, uh, about two hours from any decent brewery. But you know, you got to make some sacrifices. <laughs> so wait a second. Someone who lived in Boulder left and didn't die. <laughs> This is like news to Boulderites that they can live outside of Boulder. Well, if you continue to drink your own urine when you leave, it's, it's fine. It's true. I didn't catch that. <laughs> P Max, how have you adjusted to life in Utah? Pretty well. I've been here um, a little over a year now. Um, how many wives do you have? Of, and um, <laughs> what's that? How many wives do you have? <laughs> Oh, POD, please. Oh, that's <laughs> none. only in certain time. cities in Utah. <laughs> it's How actually in Arizona, but yeah. Just kidding. Sorry. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> oh, no, that's okay. Moab's the weird part of Utah. I think hmm. it's more part of Colorado as far as Salt Lake City is concerned. Uh, yeah, I had heard they actually had a petition or something they wanted to join Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Specifically Boulder. Now, Max. Uh, you know, especially, yes. I was going to say, I, I'm kind of curious. Have you... Have you done any hiking at all since you moved to Moab? Um, a little bit now and then. <laughs> okay. That's okay. awesome. Some overnight trips, maybe? Yeah, a few here and there. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't drive as far anymore, which is really nice. Oh, yeah. And, that, and, that is nice. And um, did you abandon your former life as an IT monkey? Yes. Um, I owe that. Um, Joan was the person I dedicated the book to for that reason. I was going to oh, try nice. to start an IT consulting company here. And she's like, do you really like IT? No. Well, then go for the writing thing. I'm like, okay. And uh, Oh, very cool. So Max, I really owe it to her. Is this the first book that you've written? No. I've done an ebook before with uh, Cam Hone and Swanee, but this is my first print book. Okay. So this is the first book that you've done by yourself. That is correct. And you donated your first book to your significant other. Yes. Wow, that's yes, pretty I did. My mom, uh, my, my mom, uh, <laughs> there's, a there's a lot of tension in the room right now. You can't, if you don't know. Max. We actually, we actually have your mom. Uh, she, she's dialed in. She's listening to us. Yeah, she's nice. listening. Max's Max, yeah. mom, are you there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Paul there? Paul. Paul. You broke my heart, Paul. Why didn't you dedicate the book to me, Paul? Why? Paul, I thought I raised you better than that. Paul, I've got agita. <laughs> what? I don't even understand that. Max, do you want to explain what agita is to our non-Italian listeners? Uh, it's, it's heartburn, basically. Yeah, in, uh, indigestion. <laughs> indigestion. Really? I've never heard know, that term. Max, like the itis. Where is that an Italian word? Agita? What is it? Well, it's from like agitated. Agitated. It, it yeah. comes from agitare. Yeah. 
Oh, okay, it's yeah. It's kind of like Neapolitan dialect. Yeah, okay. Agitate. I'm agitated. Anyway, okay, what, people, we're, we're here to review a book. Max, yeah. where is... Let's getting, get wild, I'm okay? getting agitated. <laughs> <laughs> you want to get wild. I'm agitated. Can we get on with this? P. Max, you mentioned paper book and e- I'm assuming there's an ebook version of this. Where, what is the best place folks can go buy this book? Where do you get the most money? <laughs> um, you know, I haven't really looked at the sales on purpose, but you can buy it at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, apparently Target and Walmart are selling it now too. Oh, really? That's incredible, man. Yep. Congrats. And an audio book just came out. I do not do the uh, the audio version. Oh, I wanted you to get like six hey. drinks in and then do the the book. Yeah, a couple of beers. Yeah, in. yeah, I'd be like. Hey, how to survive in the wild at Paul Mag. It would have been great if you had been like slightly buzzed reading the, the book, slowing your speech, and then on a separate microphone the entire time it's just D'Lo with loud nose breathing. Oh no. Max, this would kill your book sales. Don't don't listen to POD. She's she's trying to she's trying to just tank any book nah. sale possibilities nah. you might have. And and most people don't really even hear the nose breathing. So actually what That's what's what's gonna be your next book then? Yeah. Now what's that next? you're, uh, and who are you going to dedicate it to? <laughs> um, <laughs> the trail show. I better dedicate to my mother. I'll be in trouble. But yeah, um, I don't know what the second book will be. Um, still wrapping my brain around publishing a first book. It still seems kind of weird. Um, doing a talk about it here in Moab, but yeah, still getting used to. When people ask me what do I do for a living, I I, it, I still want to say IT monkey out of default for twenty years. So right. still getting used to saying writing and guiding. Gotcha. P. Mags, we want to have you back in studio sometime in 2020. Can Is that is that a possibility, even just a, a remote possibility? Uh, absolutely. I've been, I come to the front range at least twice a year, and okay. I, I think it's a possibility. All right. We want you back right. on the show. We want you in studio next time, and um, we're going to follow up with those wolf questions. Yeah. Yeah. So get prepared. <laughs> and, well, the, and the water treatment questions, yeah. which we yeah. seem to have glossed over tonight. <laughs> yeah. we, we also might well, see if you can help us out with some technical issues. Uh, yeah, we've got some IT <laughs> issues. Disco's uh, computer's been acting up. Yeah. Exactly. I went to a volunteer workshop and I helped them with their computer issues. So it never goes away. Completely. <laughs> of course. Of course. Of course. All right. Cool. Uh, P mags. The book is called how to survive your first trip in the wild backpacking for beginners. Mags. Thanks for coming on the show tonight. We um, didn't mention that the intro is written by none other than Cheryl Strait herself. <laughs> is that, is that, that right. true? <laughs> that is, no, yeah. no. <laughs> no. Okay. Not, not true. Apparently. D-Lo, that's, a, that's a fabrication. How dare you? Anyway, get the book on Amazon, bars and nobles, target, Walmart, or target anywhere Walmart, else yeah. you find yeah. fine books. Mags. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, Thanks man. Right, hey, it's been a pleasure. Great talking to everyone again. All right, have a good night. Okay, ciao. Bye-bye now. Ciao, ciao. Bye. (laughs) And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen. That ends the fourth interview of the night. Wow. That's like a a new record. Intro record. And we haven't even set the table. We could could just stop the show right now and save everything else for like next month. Heck, I mean, let's (laughs) face it. We could just play the wolf part, the wolf (laughs) interview, and and release that. that. That's the show. We're done. I yeah. mean, yeah. We scooped Good either, Morning for America. Either that or we could just release the, the Wolf interview uh, as, a, as a bonus show. No, no, no. no. Don't get greedy. Yeah. Don't come get, on. Don't we can't greedy. get greedy. Come on. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're actually going to start the show. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Looking forward to that. Hmm.
onto your hat. The Trail Show is back. Hey, listeners, this is Andrew Skirka again. I hope you're enjoying the show. I began guiding trips under my own company in 2011, and I soon realized that I was equally interested in teaching wilderness skills. I think this dual focus on both education and adventure makes our program really unique. The learning begins months before we meet at the trailhead with a 10-week online course. We'll help you research likely conditions, select your gear, plan meals, and create topographic maps. Once in the field, we help beginner backpackers develop core skills like how to read a map, find great campsites, and poop in the woods. With more experienced groups, we of course focus on more advanced skills like how to navigate off-trail, cross creeks, and travel on spring snow. Leading your group will be all-stars from the through-hiking and lightweight backpacking communities such as Flying Brian Robinson, Alan Dixon, Joe Stringbean McConaughey, Jessica Wildflower Winters, and former trail show host Paul Mignanti. Yeah. For more information on the trips, visit my website or listen to the final sponsor segment at the end of the show. It's andrewskirka.com. Thank you, Andrew. All right, let's check in with the beer, which yeah. we haven't even, like, talked about it's been tonight. a crazy show people we just we got here we were late because of me it's been wild it's been wild, wild. it's been wild just like just like max's book so, so while andrew skirka might focus on kind of the science behind hiking on the trail we here at the trail show kind of focus on the science of the beer um <laughs> that you that drink is... when you're done with your hike yeah so we I, I have in my hand here four very scientific beers and I, I probably might need some help reading the labels here. I've Actually, got one, too. Okay, let's start here. The first, all of our beers tonight, uh, special, where are they from? So these beers are from Birmingham, Alabama, from Ghost Train Brewing. Beham. So uh, uh, just to let everybody know how this went down... I was actually back in Birmingham uh, because my company is located there, like the headquarters. Hmm. Uh, and I was going back to like meet some folks that I, had, that I work with that I had not actually met before. Well, one of my coworkers there, Paige, her and her husband um, are like the folks behind Ghost Train. He's the head brewer. He's been whoop, brewing whoop. beer for forever. Uh, and this is, I think, the second or third brewery that he helped to open. But this is like his baby. Um, so yeah, I went over and spent an evening hanging out at their brewery, got a little personal tour, uh, and then tasted just about every single beer on the menu. Uh, and they sent me back with, uh, a bunch of beer as well as like a couple koozies and a hat and a shirt and stuff. So big shout out to Ghost Train Brewing. Thank you so much for the beer and the hospitality. So one thing worth noting about these four cans, which I have in my lap is that there is very little continuity between the brands, the labels. Yeah, they're shows. all completely different. They are all yeah. interesting. And also very cool. Like very they're cool all very cool. Label. So let's first talk about the Ghost Train Pineapple Days. Oh, yeah. Which, if you were not quite sure what you were drinking, you might just kind of confuse it with what popular brand of pineapple juice is Dole. <laughs> yes, this this beer here looks Bob like Dole's a pineapple. Dole pineapple drink. And it actually tastes quite... Like a dole. Oh, it's drink. it's a pineapple IPA. Is it a pineapple yeah. punch? It has the beer mm. volume. It it's it's got the beer volume. It fills your mouth, but yet it simply tastes like pineapple juice. I disagree, Dilo. I I think it tastes like an IPA with a bit of pineapple infusion going kind on. But like- I will say, I had the bottom of a can, um, like the last sip of a can, and there was there was pineapple in the bottom of that can, man. With a hefty eight point two percent ABV, this is you—you oh, you hardly even notice it with the pineapple yeah. over. It's dangerous, people. Overflowing 
your taste buds. Next up on the heavy end of the ABV spectrum, we have the Lupin Luminosity, oh, which delicious. I found to be. I didn't have that one. Absolutely, Snowflake will probably like that one. I think. Uh, I think Disco drank it all. That's. <laughs> I may I have had <laughs> all of it. Yeah. This is a hybrid IPA brewed with our friends at Crosby Hop Farm. Utilizing a Kolsch yeast, lower bitterness, and rare and unique hops, we have crafted an IPA bright in appearance, aroma, and flavor to clearly showcase the amazing hops grown at Crosby. This 16-ounce can comes in at a somewhat hefty 7.1 ABV. It's good. And it has dank, resinous pine aromatics. Yes. Quickly transitioned to hard, mellow candy. Overripe pineapple, wild grapes, and freshly processed clementine juice. It's low in the bitterness, insanely crushable. How do you process? And we hope you enjoy Precious? this harmonic Precious? partnership between our two companies. Next up yeah. in the Canorama, we have the Smooth Progression Volume 4, the Pow Hana Punch. P.O.D., I think you had some of this. It's a tropical ale brewed with mango, passion fruit, and tangerine. What did you think of it? I thought it was very uh, tropical. So wow. I liked pa- it. Pauhana is, yeah, is a Hawaiian term. Yeah. It means like end of the day or all done. Okay. So, ah. so uh, you would, like, if you were in Hawaii and it's the end of the day, you might say to your coworker something like, hey, brah, you're like, go have Pauhana beer. You know, like yeah. something like that. I'm probably like apologies to the Hawaiian listeners for my <laughs> horrible, horrible <laughs> pigeon accent. But yeah, Pauhana is just like finished. Wow. Thanks for that Hawaiian cultural finished note. Day. That was really cool. Special. Of course. It's and really last cool. up, we have the Ghost Train Gulf Coast India yeah. Pale Ale, which is celebrating Delicious. the laid back lifestyle, this easy drinking Hot heavy ghost coast India pe- Gulf Coast or Ghost Coast? Now I'm confused. Both. Gulf Coast. Gulf Coast. Do they call it the Gulf Coast or the Ghost Coast down there? Uh, Triple O. You are from Florida. Um, I don't think Alabama can brand their coast as anything that great. Okay, because it's really tiny. Other than it? the oil wells they have hanging off of it. Yeah, but yeah. And and uh, Florida actually took over most of their coastline in a, a war many years ago. Well, we won't talk about sense. that. Yeah. Uh, the Gulf <laughs> Coast India Pale Ale is a homage to carefree times, enjoying life and chilling out. And there are uh, palm trees on the uh, front of this uh, differently branded beer. Coming in at a mellow 6% ABV. Nice. With 65 IBUs. It's a, it's a traditional bitter IPA. I would have guessed the IBUs were higher. But uh, you know, yeah, it's a it's a good it's a bitter IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite. Uh, I mean, at six percent, you can have a few. It's not like the pineapple days, the the eight point two. But um, if you're ever in Birmingham, go by Ghost Train Brewing. Tell them the trail show sent you, and you can find them online at ghosttrainbrewing.com. Thank you. We, we've got a couple yeah, more. We'll check good. in later. Yeah, yeah, we'll yep. check in. We'll keep it going. We'll be back. All right, um, should we do trail news two hours into the show? I think we should. Oh, oh, is it time for trail news? Let me let me let cue me, up your let me get out the news desk. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we have trail news with special forty-one. Here it is. All right. So we've got several items. Um, I'm not going to linger long on any of them. Uh, a couple of them are somewhat related, so we'll blast through those ones. I'm actually going to start with one that's going to be near and dear to Delo's heart. 
Uh, this is actually a story, I believe POD forwarded this to me from NPR. Um, but it talks about illegal pot operations in public forests. Oh, yeah. Why why are people still doing this? Pot's legal in half of the US. Why are people still growing illegal so, pot? So, you know, it, I'd say that some of this is definitely cartel um stuff. Yeah. I don't get it, man. But uh I mean, they can still there's still a thriving black market for marijuana. Why? I think, I think there's like 11 states where it's legal uh or decriminalized or whatever, but yeah. there's still a lot of states where it's not legal. And okay. and so there's still a a, a pretty robust black market um in, hmm. in the cannabis industry so basically the southeastern united states is what you're talking about yeah i mean there's several different places where this okay but the, but the the areas where it has been like in the past uh cultivated illegally yeah um there's like whole a whole bunch of places all through california where cartels have been doing this and you know uh it's been a an issue for a long, long time. I mean, there were, you know, back in the day, there were hippies that, and probably still today, some of them are whatever, you know, California hippies that are growing in the national forests and on public lands. So one, one of the big issues that this article really dove into, though, is the use of like these insecticides yes. um, that that they're finding more and more of. And these insecticides are like really, really bad ones. Um, uh, bromethylene is a neurotoxin rodenticide. And then there's also ones that, that they're using that are um, anticoagulants, which I actually have some experience with these ones when I used to volunteer in Hawaii doing rat control to um, mm. help out with native birds that were endangered. Hmm. So the problem with this stuff is, is A, some of them, when they're applied sort of to everything including the pot plants and the cannabis that they've tested mm-hmm. has this stuff on it. So like, you know, the illegal stuff, I mean, it's basically laced at this point with some of these horrible insecticides and rodenticides. So it's not now, organic. No, not so much. Okay. Now the problem is <laughs> no. they're also like persistent in the environment. So they don't break down very easily. It takes a long time and they're finding this stuff like everywhere They're You know, if you go, downstream in some of the waterways they're finding traces of it down there and i think Mm. they're building up in the food chain too they They are yeah so they bioaccumulate um you know so if uh if let's say a a mouse eats some of this stuff and dies well the insects that feed on that mouse are now going to have that stuff in it well that's going to accumulate up like bird chains or other Mm. you know feeding chains that they're feeding on the on the insects also it, it accumulates up the the food chain in like um, large cats uh, or you know wolves or coyotes owls. things of that nature owls yeah hmm. so if you think of like DDT and how that kind of spread throughout the environment and was a, a big problem for like raptors and and predatory birds and things like that this is kind of doing the same thing um, but with yeah insecticides and rodenticides and it's pretty it's pretty no bueno um they've got you know this article talked about this huge backlog that they have of these cleanup sites and you can imagine that these are difficult to access areas um (laughs) and uh and so it's pretty pretty hard to clean them up in the first place let alone the fact that that forest service is underfunded um, right. Both in terms of cleanup as well as in terms of law enforcement to be able to like find these places and shut them down. Uh, one thing that they noted was in California, um, 
90% of the mountain lion population has been exposed to these anticoagulant rodenticides. Uh, and these things are, are bad, bad in the sense that they have secondary and tertiary effects of the things that they kill. So anyway, buy your pot from legal places. Uh, don't buy it from the black market because it's probably laced with rodenticides. And, and it's worth noting that there are uh, companies now that are certifying their, their marijuana, their cannabis, their, their hemp, uh, doing different tests to determine the, the, you know, the pesticide um, quantity, you know, things like the uh, percent of pesticides. It sounds like you're making something like up right now. I'm actually I'm not making saying. this up. I have a friend who works for one of these companies. <laughs> okay. And so his, his his job is, he's kind of in marketing or whatever, but his job is, his company tests marijuana and hemp to determine the particular percentile percentages of all these different percentage contaminants. Percentage or percentile? THC. Oh, these different it? contaminants. Like they, ten, they test the hemp to make sure that it, it's not above the particular pH, uh, THC levels that it has yeah. to be below and things like that. 0.3%. So. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I would also just say, you know, um, legalize it. Uh, if you shut down the black market trade, then you're going to... Yeah. Right, you're totally. basically going to pull the rug out from under all of these illegal cooperations. A couple yep. more years. Because they, if, they can't, if they don't have somewhere to peddle their wares, they're yeah. not going to be out there in the forest yeah. pumping poisons into the ecosystem. So, Legalize um, yeah. it. All right, what else you got, man? All don't right, so uh, the Colorado 14ers have definitely gotten busier. Four years ago, they started doing like this, uh, this use survey, um, and they've got something like... Uh, a uh, hundred thousand more visitors this year than oh last. Oh my god! Wow. We're talking about 2018. I think they said 353,000 oh people. Um, the majority of these are going to be on Mounts Bierstadt, Elbert, Lincoln, <laughs> Bross, Democrat, and Sherman. <laughs> Grays, Tories, Longs, and Quandary. Quandary Peak actually, for the first time uh, in 2018, was the busiest 14er. Uh, previously, Mount Bierstadt had been yeah. there. Uh, and the majority of those people are there on Saturday and Sunday afternoons. True right? story. Yeah. In the summer. I'm yeah. surprised Longs is on that list. I think because of its location, it's popular, but that is a that is a long, long day. Oh, you'd no be surprised intended. how many it's people try to hike. do it as their first 14er. Yeah. It's and, not and a good how first. Often but, people but, try to do it coming from sea level yeah. and how many people oh. try but to do it. But that number without, doesn't represent yeah. how many people summited. Yeah. Right. Sure. People that, yeah. yeah. This is this isn't use, not necessarily like right. successful summits. Mm-hmm. And I would agree. I mean, I don't. Uh, I would definitely not try to do longs as my first fourteen. No. Hell no. I mean, I probably wouldn't try to do it as my tenth fourteen. Yeah. Or, or if you yeah, are going to try and do longs as your first fourteen, or you should probably carry an eighteen pack of beer with you. You and, know? and blue jeans, yeah, and blue jeans, and, and blue blue torch. And a blue yeah. torch, just drink. so that you've got nation drink. all the ba- bases covered, <laughs> and you could survive the night out on longs with your blowtorch by. Or you could bring a tent, burning your jeans, back. and then yep. inebriate yourself. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, hey now, blue jeans, blowtorches, people are drunk. One thing blow that torches are way more important than a tent. Yeah. what are you talking True. about? You yeah, can, but you, you can, can always make a tent out of blue jeans if you have enough of them. And you can't, <laughs> but you can't hike longs without tent. an eighteen pack. Oh my of beer. god! <laughs> Just think how great that would be in the rain. 
Trail Show Nation, if somebody could just make a tent out of some blue jeans and send actually, me a I'd like a that, tent made out of. Yeah. I want mine to be made out of jeggings. <laughs> send us, yeah. send us a tent in your blue jeans. That's yeah. all we want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lightweight. Send us a picture of that. Ultra lightweight. Have your blue, blue jean, jean tent. Yeah, your blue jean. T- I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna whack the yeah, tubes. Yeah, whack the tubes. <laughs> I'm gonna put on the second story for God's sake. <laughs> so uh, one thing that I will say about this is uh, this actually is an opportunity to talk about Leave No Trace. One of the things with Leave No Trace is plan ahead and prepare. It's principle number one. If you can plan ahead and prepare to go there to these 14ers during the weekdays rather yes. than the weekends, if you can maybe plan on going to some of the 14ers that are less trafficked rather than more trafficked, yes. particularly if, if it's like one of your earlier 14ers, yeah, a lot of these real popular ones are popular because they're lower skill level required but there's some that are a little bit more distant from denver that Mm -hmm. you won't run into the crowds they're just as easy they're much more scenic in some cases yeah and uh yeah get out there and get after it but try to maybe time your trips to times and places that time and a place yeah you you could also uh you could also bring a friend and split that 18 pack between the two of you (laughs) so that you're not that's true bogged down you could also share a blue bag natter days yeah, or just you know, it, bring your off-leash dog if you just overload it with eighteen packs of beers, then that works too. Yeah. Yeah. Your off-leash dog, I love it. And your it. off-leash child Hashtag yeah, off-leash. with the dog pack. Okay, uh, let's see. Onward and upward. Um, did you guys talk about this last show at all? The changes to the PCT permits? No. And frankly, I feel like we could do a whole show on that, but try your best to yeah, condense that into... Yeah, okay, so here's the deal. The permit system has, uh, you know, since they initiated the quotas in, I believe, 2013, um, uh, it's it's gotten a lot of criticism. It's worked. It hasn't worked, whatever. In any case, they're doing some new stuff. Northbound through hikers it's still going to be 50, I believe, per day. Um, but one of the big changes is that you're not going to be able to flip flop through the Southern Sierra. Mm. So if you get there and you're like too much snow, I want to flip flop. You're basically going to have to, when you come back, apply for the local agency permits and you're not going to be covered Mm. with your PCT permit. So if you take more than like seven days, I believe it is off of a true to the through northbound itinerary, Mm -hmm. your permit is no longer actually valid. You know, um, a friend of ours just went through the permit process and got a March 15th start date. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and, and I would submit that's dangerous. I Listen, I, I'm kind of with you on it. Um, that's dangerous to start I think that it's, on a, March 15th. it's a difficult thing to strike that balance between... I mean, there is, there is a better time to start the trail if you're planning on not having a bit of a show at the beginning yeah. and being able to actually finish at the end. There is a ideal window, and and having a, a a cap on the number of people that can start each day during that window, yeah. it does mean that there are going to be people pushed outside of what would be an optimal window, both yeah. for their hike as well as sort of generally speaking. Right. So I I definitely, you know, there's definitely some arguments to be made for hey yeah we need the quota system as far as preventing overuse. 
There's also something to be said for this quota system is pushing people to start way outside what ought to be a normal or safe time. Yeah. I'm seeing lots of hands here. Who's got questions? I do. Uh, was first. I mean, a yes. lot of on-trail zeros, Rune. Exactly. So if you start on March 15th, oh my God. can't you just like stretch out that hike for the next three months so that you get to the Sierra at a... No. a applicable not, time not now that the softies and the andersons are closing well, yeah, shop. i mean can't you like what if you have <laughs> what will we do it was a lot family. easier to take 15 zeros when <laughs> when, when, when yeah. terry anderson has stolen your shoes and what won't if, let you leave what yes. if you had the means to go and take like 15 you know two weeks off and then get back on trail and things like that like couldn't you do it's, that? it sounds yeah. like if you do that outside of the southern sierra you could but yeah. if you but once you've entered the sierra it, they basically want you to do like up to Sonora Pass continuously. Hmm. So you can take side trips to go out and resupply, of course. You can still do Whitney, it looks like. But if you get to the Southern Sierra and you're like, you know, I think I'm going to go up to Lone Pine and then I'm going to take like a few weeks and go visit Grandma out in Hawaii and then come back, Uh -uh, not going to work. Or like you could just like, you know, take two weeks off and be a vagrant on Ventura beach. Yeah. No, they're there. So basically if you, if that's, if that's the scenario that you're going to go with, when you come back, you're not going to be able to use your through permit. Well, you're going to have to seek local agency before you get there. Before you get there. Like, can I talk? Can I talk? Sure. Go ahead. That was a Ross Perot reference for any of you. We know. Um, so as a real world (laughs) example, Ross, rest in peace. 2008, when PUD and I hiked the PCT, we started the late. We started the last weekend in April during a slightly above average snowpack, and we got to the Sierra, Sierra too early. The snow was too high. If we had started March fifteenth oh, no. on a year of a slightly above average snowpack. We're, we're talking about like walking to your own death. No, like you, you would have gone to Ventura Beach and no. been a vagrant for the, a month, and then got back on the trail. No, we would have gone up to Canada. But but you out. can't take what uh, more than seven days beach. off. Is that the... seven days? Yeah. For like these like people act like it's the end of the world if you have to get a, a Sierra permit in the Sierra. Right. It's not that hard, especially if you're okay. not trying to hike out of Yosemite Valley into the like the John Muir Trail. If you're coming from Lone Pine or Bishop or yeah. or Independence, those are not difficult permits to get. You might have to wait a day or two, but there's there's plenty of permits there. Um, so you're saying like maybe an option is to start on your PCT permit start date, and then once you get to like um, uh, Walker Pass, you know maybe it's time to like <laughs> take a month, yeah. month and a half off to let or the snow flop. Yeah, or, or yeah. the other thing is that you just have to start on your specific date. So you can go start like Marina on March 16th and hike for one day, and then go take six weeks off somewhere. It kind of sounds what like what? at least for. What yeah. about Fuller Ridge and the San Jacintos? Like so you're the, still putting people there too early. So the the yeah, it's it sounds to me like the the restriction on taking time off or flip flopping is really just for the Southern Sierra. Yeah. So if you if you whatever take two weeks off after you've gone out hiking for two weeks, yeah, and 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 then you come back, it sounds like you can still do that if you do that prior to entering the yeah, Sierra. Yeah, exactly. Now, if you don't do that, it, let's say you get up to the Sierra, you enter it, and you're like, you know what? Snow's till, still too high. We're going to exit to Lone Pine, and then we're going to flip north. Fine. You can still do that. You're just not going to be able to use your original PCT permit. You'll okay. have to seek a local agency permit. I, again, okay. I feel like we could do a whole show on this yeah. discussion. Yeah. And, and I've actually said this four times already, so 
pay attention, people. Yeah, and I would also say everything we just said might be completely wrong. Look at your PCT permit. Do what's on your permit. Don't do something wrong because the, you heard it on the trail show. That yeah. would be horrible. Yeah, also, trail show legal really appreciates that message. Yeah, they're, they're also uh, they're also Seconded. doing a fifteen uh, hikers per day quota for southbound hikers between is that is there um, there enough southbounders out there to have a quota so you know in this one article that i read they basically said uh on they said on july 1st 2019 over 160 people were permitted for trips at the northern terminus while june 29th only 13 people so i'm trying to i'm just going to read it again if you're going to sound sound buzz me <laughs> no, so they're sorry, trying to get it to spread out a little bit it's not the so, yeah, big of a problem it's they want a little okay. they exactly want, they but want I, everyone saying hey i want to start june 1st like start okay. june 2nd start. they don't want 200 south yeah. banners starting on the same day yeah okay. 100, 160 people going through <laughs> alpine areas <laughs> ma- makes sense that maybe they want to spread that out a little bit we just lost dilo um, that's how i feel when you read beer labels dilo uh, all right, so I, on, I on, to the next, on to the next story. Whoa, what, are you, were you still talking? I'm going to whack the tubes. <laughs> Home Depot is having a sale this week, D-Lo. Oh, D-Lo's up. D-Lo's oh, up. I, oh, yeah, I could use some more tools. <laughs> Did I tell you about how I drove through the town of Pulaski? <gasps> oh, really? God, yeah, I've always wanted to go there. Idaho, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, New York. God. What? Yeah. Is that Did true? you get a t-shirt? No. I like that we whacked the tubes they to go t-shirt? right I'm going to whack them again. <laughs> All right. So onward and upward. Uh, I'm going to talk about a few rescue things that happened. Uh, Pacific Crest Trail hiker in Oregon, somebody, Robert Campbell, f- aged 50, he, uh, he got cold and wet. All of his gear was wet, and he tried to make a... a phone call to get rescued but it it dropped they triangulated his location and found him in his sleeping bag in a pit toilet what? um with his feet and and hands like starting to turn blue he Ooh. said he didn't think he was going to be able to make it another night out there sounds like he was probably right whoa um now this was i believe the last two weeks or so of october and he was in oregon he said that after he got dried out and rescued and everything, he was going to get back out and keep going. Um, I would, oh, God. I would, <laughs> the, uh, it, it, here's the, here's the quote. The, here's the quote. It's just, it's just one of those things. If I quit, I just don't think I'd ever go back. So I'm going to try and finish, but I'm definitely going to be more cautious. Huh. Okay. Great. It's, it's uh, the end of October. You're in Oregon, and you just got rescued. More cautious at this point is going home and coming back next year. Yes, exactly. Uh, let me just ding, tell ding, you, ding. It, yes. even if you made it to the Washington border, um, November, not a fun time to be in It's an no, arbitrary line Washington. on a map. Yeah, so Call it successful that you live through the night. Uh-huh. Yeah. So um, I'm going to talk about this one just real fast, and this is only for me and me alone. So um, welcome to the Janaid section of Trail News. This is a... A story out of Hawaii. Three hikers were rescued um, after they uh, the sun went down and they didn't have flashlights or anything and couldn't find their way out. But this is on a trail that I used to hike all the time called Kulio'o Ridge. It's a pretty awesome trail. Most of the trails out um, on Oahu, at least in the Honolulu side, they, they follow a, a ridge line up to the main Ko'olau crest. And Ko- Kulio'o has one of the more like dramatic 
finishes up at that ridge line. Where it approaches the Ko'olau crest, uh, it's pretty rugged terrain. I do think it's kind of funny that they got lost and couldn't find their way out. Like literally if they'd had flashlights, they should have been able to find their way out because it's a very obvious and well-marked mm. trail. So it just goes to show you, pay attention, plan ahead, bring read, a flashlight. Read Mags's book. Don't, don't be apparently yeah. like 19 to 22 with like n- no gear or supplies or thought in your brain. Mm. Or, you um, know, take that. Did they call for help? <laughs> they did. Yeah, they called for help. Um, mm, read Mags's so. Most phones <laughs> have a flashlight. You, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I, I yeah. imagine they probably yep. were not experienced in the outdoors, mm. and it got dark, and they got scared. And and frankly, if you're in a situation that is above your skill level, like right, calling calling for, for help is probably the thing you should do, even if it means that I'm going to make fun of you a little bit on the trail <laughs> show. <laughs> like that's totally worth not like uh, getting yourself into further trouble. Now, the last one I'm going to talk about here as far as rescues go, this was a PCT hiker uh, aged 46 named Greg. This is in Richmond near Mirror Lake. Hmm. Um, They were on the PCT. They slipped um, on an icy section and uh, twisted or had potentially broken their ankle. It was bad enough that they weren't sure. In any case, uh, um, the... Kittitas, Kittitas County Search and Rescue went out, found them, brought them back to uh, uh, like the trailhead on a wheeled litter, and then they were able to have a friend come up and get them and take them down. One thing that it mentioned in this article, though, was that this person had all of the gear that they needed in order to be able to, to stay warm and like stay safe while they awaited rescue. And they basically said that this person had done everything right. And I, I kind of wanted to talk about this one just to make the point that, yeah, a lot of times when you hear rescue stories, it's stuff about right. people that just d- made some boneheaded moves. Yeah. And it's real easy to, to poke fun at them and, and call them idiots or like make fun of the fact that, frankly, they're usually just not experienced. Here was somebody that had done everything right, was fully prepared, and just took a, took a fall. Yeah, it yeah. Totally just took happen. a fall. Yeah. So I think uh, really important, even if you're an experienced hiker, even if you know you're some sort of a badass or whatever, you fight don't, wolves. don't, be, compl- <laughs> oh don't be complacent. Make sure you got the stuff with you that if something happens, y- you, can, you can hopefully take care of yourself until the help that you do need arrives. Um, so yeah, right. don't, Good point. Don't, don't, don't be complacent. Hmm. Uh, mention this one real trick, real quick. There's a rail trail um, planned in the Outer Rondecks. Uh, this is going to be that's Delo's home turf. It's in New York, it, and it's not far from where I do some of my field work. It's okay. close. Um, so, it's close to which Rome. is kind of why this one popped up for me. It's going to cre- uh, create a uh, trail um, between Lake Placid and Tupper Lake. Um, yeah. So sounds pretty cool. I'll be kind of keeping my eye, eye out for that one. Would you just I, clarify what a rail trail is for the listeners? Who thank you for know. asking. That was exactly what I was about to talk oh, about. Oh, I'm sorry. I interrupted. No, you segued. <laughs> you segued. You did uh, good. Thank you. did you. good, d Thank so you. So the rails to trails, this is a, a pretty common thing. Uh, uh, most folks will probably be familiar with this. They've probably walked on some before. A lot of these railroad lines that aren't used anymore go through great places for recreation. Uh, and since the railroad itself has already been built, 
most of the time all that really needs to happen well i shouldn't say all but it's a it's a more straightforward process to create a recreational trail on these old railroad lines uh, so i always like seeing these things happen and this is my last story last uh, but not least not least at all so this is actually about the land and water conservation fund oh nice um so for those unaware uh the lwcf is one of the like major areas of funding for a lot of um conservation and like ecological restoration work this is uh funded by um portions of the proceeds and royalties that come from offshore Mm -hmm. oil and gas drilling now I think it was last year they fully authorized or they permanently authorized the LWCF. What they didn't do was assign funding for it, right? It's lovely. So mm-hmm. I believe that the the law that created it um, allows for a maximum of nine hundred million dollars a year in funding. This year, I think it was like six hundred and forty million or something like that. Basically, what the reason I wanted to talk about this is if you live in a Republican state, this is a this has been a, a pretty good bipartisan issue where there's been Republican and Democratic support for this. So if you live in a Republican state and, and you're a pro-public lands person, if you live in a Democratic state and you're a pro-public lands person, I don't care where you are, which party you vote for. If you're pro-public lands, and you're, then you should be pro-LWCF. And I think it's important that people maybe think about reaching out to their representatives to let them know that uh, fully funding, permanently funding uh, the LWCF is important to you as a constituent and as a public lands user. Uh, there is actually a proposal out there that, uh, I forget who put it out, sorry, I can't find it, um, to actually remove the LWCF from where it's at and then fully fund it in perpetuity so that it doesn't have to do this like yearly battle in order to go like, Oh no, really? Can we please have some money and to fully, fully fund it. So not, not have to come back each year and say, no, 650 will be good, I guess this year, but to give it the full 900 million and to just give it that every year so that it can go about getting some of this work done. We talked about the, these pot, you know, problems in the national forests. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of stuff that like could be, you know, totally tackled if if the Forest Service and other agencies had more money to do it, and uh, LWCF is a huge vehicle for doing that. So that's the last thing I'm going to talk about. Please look into it a little bit and and reach out to your your uh, local representatives. representatives about this. Somebody wake Dilo up. <laughs> oh, no, I'm here. I'm here. Oh God, he, drool- he, he drooled on my show sheet, guys. Look at oh this. Oh my God, Dilo. Oh man, come on, Dilo. He can't handle content, so yeah. he, he, we lose him during those. <laughs> I like the nonsense. Hey, do we have any hotline calls? Yeah, let's go to the hotline. We do. Let's play a few. Um, well, do we want intro music? Yes. Call the Trisha. Call the Trisha. Seven two zero eight nine three eight nine three twenty two twenty two six nine six two zero eight nine three twenty two sixty nine. 
Well, yeah. Uh, disco is going to be. I want to try that one. <laughs> you got another beer. Pod is really excited about this next beer, but Disco is going to be really excited about this first call what? from his favorite caller. <gasps> Say it ain't so. Guess what's over here, <laughs> Maine? <laughs> like to contribute to the uh, poop scenario, yeah. So I have a theory. What you do is you get yourself a stick, you dig yourself a proper hole, and after you put your contribution in that hole, <laughs> in the right environment, you burn your toilet paper. Minimum donation. You get a little duff near the hole. You put that in, then you get the stick. This is the important part. Everyone listen. You homogenize your poop in the hole with the duff and the burnt toilet paper. Therefore, start in decomposition faster. So when you're in places like the pooping fields, in the Smokies, you don't have to dig up someone else's poop. So I say, get the stick of marginite, burn oh, yeah. in the right spot. Peace and love, peace and love, bare sweat, stay homage, much love. <laughs> Homogenize. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know that that's LNT. Is that a trail tip? Sure it is. You're supposed to make poop soup. Uh, Are you supposed to burn the toilet yeah, paper Yeah, what first? about that part? Oh, no, you're Spesh. supposed to pack that. Yeah, Spesh, pack out the toilet paper. Wh- what do you think about the toilet paper? Uh, you shouldn't burn toilet paper. No. You should pack it out, but you should homogenize your poop. I agree with yes, that. Yes, stirring it up is actually good. Uh, yes. And you should do it. Hmm. So that actually helps get some of the soil microbes that are yeah. in, the, in there that are going to be breaking down your poop. It helps to mix them in. And, yeah, and, and then you yeah. don't have this giant mass of poop that's like... Oh, man. I remember the poop fields in uh, the Smokies Ugh, when I hiked gross. the AT. Like, there were some shelters, some areas... Minefields. You go like 20 feet radius from the front of the shelter, and you got to watch where you step. Like, it was... It was a little grim. I mean, what's what's happening there? Do you like come out of the privy and there's seven people taking a like (laughs) right around the privy? Oh, gross! (laughs) Peace and love. Peace and love. Don't get too excited. Disco pay homage. Get ready, because bear sweats. Oh no, he's back. Hey now, bear sweats calling in again. (laughs) The origin of a trail name, (gasps) if you will. We will. So I was bear sweats, and let's say the missus was Amy. And before we were in the obligation relationship where you could pick through trail mix, we were hiking in the White Mountains. And, you know, we were walking around, having a good time, crossed over the AT, coming back around, down the trail, Franconia Brook, built some beautiful trail work on that trail as well. And the, and the, and the lady, kind of a first date kind of thing, trips and falls. I look at her, I say, are you all right? She's like, I think so. It kind of feels weird in my hips. I was like, well, what do you want to do? She's like, well, we're still going to go swimming. So we go down to 13 Falls there, and we soak and da-da-da-da-da. And we walk back up to Garfield Camp, say, well, you know, have a camp, have a good time. And we're walking out the next day, and she says, you know what? My leg still hurts. About 20 minutes in, she starts going really slow. And suffice it to say, later on that week, she finds out that she broke a femur. And she hiked out, hence the name, Tough Broad. Tough broad. Well, cheers, man. guys. Peace and love. Love you. <laughs> Touch it. Wow. Oh, my God. This show has yeah. been out of broke control. Femur. He broke her broke she, femur. And she was still hiking. Tough broad. Peace and love. Peace man. and love. But it got wow. better because Bear sweats. No. Say it ain't no. so. Let's do it. Hey, now. <laughs> so it's one of those Kevin Bacon things of separation. So we're invited to a wedding. 
in the Catskills <laughs> looking for those inspirational hallucinogens <laughs> happened to be at the wedding a roommate of snorkels in grad school talking urban hiking mentioning the trail show they don't know who the hell you are but they, they know her and uh, yeah something like that <laughs> Peace and love. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Oh yeah, my god! What did that, that incredible? What did that have to do with the hallucinations? I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. They met. He's probably still trying to figure that out. Yeah, yeah. Should we do? Pretty uh, intense. Should we do another segment? I don't know what to say. Wait, are there more <laughs> calls? Yeah, well, we there don't have to play them all right now. Okay. We gotta, yeah, we, we, yeah, we got yeah, yeah, okay. okay. Do we have any more Bear Sweats calls? Bear Sweats has only provided us with three gems. Only, only three. Okay. okay. <laughs> Let's do trips. Let's do one minute apiece. Oh, okay, okay, I'll start. And I'm going to play some music. I went nowhere. Come Next. on. No, no, no. no. But you did we break your to, foot. <laughs> we need to say why you went nowhere. I have two broken toes, and I'm not supposed to be doing stuff so i'm just not exercising and testing the uh Jeez. tensile strength of the lycra in my pants for the next while but did get first place in a butt kicking contest <laughs> yeah <laughs> i did straighten my own toe after i broke it that was pretty exciting that i can attest to <laughs> and it, it worked it was it was not at a 45 degree angle any longer it was straight oh oh, oh yeah oh. oh yeah did, did y'all get some pictures i no. didn't get a well, picture of the sideways toe well, what happened was we were in the South and everybody was freaking out about my toe and insisting that I go to the ER. And I was like, I'm not going to the ER for toes. Like, that's, I, I don't know what kind of money you think I make as a teacher, but that's, that's not it. <laughs> you don't make, you don't make toe fixing money? I don't money. make toe ER money. So I just, they wouldn't let it go because it was crooked. Yeah, so, it was crooked. So I just was like, I just took a deep breath and yanked it the other way and then it's was straight and they left me alone. I was like, it's fine. Did you eventually go to the doctor? I did, but not for like three weeks. In oh fact, my God. I did. What did I, your doctor finally I did, say? I did like three 13ers and I went to a salsa dancing festival. <laughs> and then I was like, these toes like really aren't healing and they're starting to hurt real bad. You had to turn it sideways <laughs> to straight. Well, yeah, it's going to hurt for a minute. So I finally went to the doctor and they, they took an image and they, I had two toes that were really broken. So, so and, did, did and they it, do anything or just like no? I've got that funny shoe and I got some taping and you know what? Yeah, so you had shoe. you had set them well enough that they didn't have to mess with it. I will say I know it's been more than one minute. <laughs> when I was at the doctor, he's like, "Well, take your shoes and socks off. Let's look at your feet." And I was like, "Before we do that, let me just say something about my feet." <laughs> um, they always look like this. Okay, it's not because they're broken. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's just because you never wash them. Well, and the calluses are peeling and. Anyway. Yeah, they're, they're kind of rough. <laughs> All right, who else? Who else went somewhere? What do we got? Uh, I mean, uh, let's see. It's been a minute since I've actually been on a show, so I probably went several places. Uh, I think, let's see. Last time I was in New York when we taped, right, and I called in. Well, I went back to New York again. Um, I did a, a hike there of the Griffiths International Sculpture Garden. I know. Um, they've got a number of sculptures there. I see, an, I see some of them from the road when I'm like driving around out there, but I had never actually gone and like walked the trail. So I took one evening, and uh, of course it was like 20 degrees out, but um, 
I took one evening and went and walked around and checked out all of the sculptures by the uh, oh, yeah. at night. Hmm. Um, unfortunately, like half of them, the lights were broken, so I didn't really get to see <laughs> all of them at night. But, yeah. but which, oh, which ones were illuminated were pretty cool. I think it, it ended up being like a... M- like two miles or something of, of walking around and checking them out. So hmm. that was pretty neat. Uh, I also did have a pretty fun experience while I was out there. I was tromping around through the woods trying to locate some monitor Hallucinogens. Oh. <laughs> and uh, no, I found those just fine. Um, but I was trying to find these monitoring wells. And after I had found like a couple in this one area, as I was walking back to my vehicle, I, uh, I heard like a little sound in front of me. <laughs> And, uh, yeah. and like based on the size and stuff, I thought it was like a deer or like maybe a turkey, but it was yeah. a wolf. It, it was not a wolf. I oh. took, I took like maybe 15 feet it was a further Sasquatch. and I found a deer kill. Like, oh, oh, yes. oh, we saw this photo. Yeah. So there was a this fresh, a deer fresh kill. deer kill. When I first saw the deer, it didn't dawn on me for like half a second. So I, I reached over and like touched the blood to see and it was Whoa. wet. And as soon as I did that, I was like, oh, wait a minute, this is a cougar kill. Yeah. Because there's like a drag path coming into the area where nice. like the cat had drug it there and like there's blood and fur everywhere. Yeah, so I definitely just scared a mountain lion off of its kill from like 15, 20 feet away. So that definitely got my heart racing wow. pretty good. I'm like, oh, kitty, I don't taste good. Don't kill me. Even though now I, I smell like deer I don't blood. Wanna, yeah, right. <laughs> well, I didn't smear it all over myself. I mean, <laughs> just a just, little just bit. Just under the eyes. Yeah, I just like to look tough, you know. Uh, so, yeah, that, cool. was, that was pretty crazy. I, I've never had a mountain lion encounter that was, like, hmm. involving... I mean, I've, I've seen them kill. before, and I've been reasonably close to one once before, but yeah. this was a little, little, uh, a little adrenaline. Yeah. D-Lo? D-Lo. Oh, Tell hey. us about your oh, latest sorry. trip to Home Depot. I uh, I haven't been anywhere in the past month. What? That's worth Do you also about. have broken toes? No, I do not. Oh. I just... Scientology is taking but up a lot of time. But your kitchen is looking awesome. My kitchen looks awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah. But I did go to a sculpture garden back in September. Wait a minute. Did I, I miss the memo? This is stories from the last I garden. too went to a sculpture garden. There's a sculpture garden, a beautiful sculpture garden. I highly recommend it. In Loveland, Colorado... I think everyone should go up there. It's, it's a great place. It's along some lakes. There's sculptures. There's paved walking. It's it's handicapped accessible. And from there, you can head on up into the mountains like I did. I highly recommend it. I forget the name of it. It's very helpful. It's yep. lovely. It's in Loveland, <laughs> Colorado. Memorable. Yeah, it can it's only be so many sculpture gardens. There's only one sculpture garden in Loveland, Colorado. As far as you know. Yep. Triple O. <laughs> Uh, I did, I hiked a little bit. I hiked um, (laughs) somewhere in Wild Basin in Rocky uh, in the snow one day. It was really nice. Yeah, you had some cool pictures. Beautiful moose crossing on the edge of a lake. It was very picturesque. Um, But yeah, that's pretty much it. Nothing overnight or anything like that. Nothing too crazy. Okay. How's your kitchen looking? My kitchen looks terrible, but (laughs) I also rent, so it's going to continue to look that way. It's fine. (laughs) Your kitchen doesn't look terrible. I mean, if you clean up the dishes. On the last Trail Show's trip report, I had gone up 114-er finally um, after a summer of work. And since that show, I went up three more 14-ers. I got kind of a a bug in my butt. And actually, I recorded some audio from uh, the last... Which, which ones did you do? Well, I, I did Quandary next, which... Most popular. And by the way, let me tell you what. If you do Quandary on a Tuesday morning in October, not that busy. 
I still saw 12 people, yeah. but compared to like a, you know, a Saturday yeah. in July. Where there's a yeah. train of people and poop. Yeah. And then I did Grey's and Tories on a Wednesday morning in oh, mid-October, which on was, I think I saw eight people. It was fantastic. Did you, did you do that from the north side or from like the Chihuahua Gulch side? Uh, I did the standard route. So I drove up the bad four-wheel drive road, parked. North and side. I, yeah, I hit yeah. um, Grey's and Tories. And I think this audio is from there. All right, another Wednesday, another 14er. In this case, two 14ers. Uh, Grey's and Tories today. I'm sitting on top of Tories. It's October the 16th. And I had the summit of Grays to myself, and the summit of Tories to myself, which is crazy, given how busy these 14ers are in the high season. But when you show up in uh, mid-October, it's a lot better. It's more better. My fingers are cold, and it's been gusting over 40 mph, but the summit right now is pretty calm. I'm about to hike back to my car. I'm going to go get a burrito, and then I'm going to sit in the hot tub. And this could be the last 14ers of the season. I've been able to knock out four in October, which is pretty cool. That's all I got. Disco trip report out. Peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love. Nice. Uh, peace yeah. and love. That's it. Well, I think we should probably go to a break. Do you have some, do you have any uh, audio people, audio clips that you can, can take us to break with? Actually, I want to play. We got oh. an audio clip from Fidget. I want to play that before we go to break. Okay. Um, and let's see what where she is and what she's up to. What's up, Trail Show Nation? It's Fidget. You may hear the sound of running water in the background, but it's fake. You what? may so- hear the sound of my falling footfalls. But they're fake. What? Because I am in suburban maze of Texas. Because I completed the CDT <laughs> on the night of November 9th with three other hikers. Got to hike in with Nam, Sci-Fi, and Sundown. Hiked in those last miles and under an almost full moon. It was... A most incredible ending to sleep there on the pavilion, um, wake up to sunrise on the monument, and definitely not just walk through a giant gap in the like three foot high fence that is the um, border wall. No, definitely did not go pee in Mexico. Hi. Um, what? Yeah, no. Why would you? Man, gosh, you guys. <laughs> The CDT is my favorite trail. <laughs> I was just incredible. Um, which brings me to, I came upon, <laughs> you know how we all have our least favorite line of questioning after a through hike or especially for those of you guys who just wrapped up your triple crowns this year. I, could, I know of at least a dozen of you who I met on the CDT who are doing that. You guys are awesome congratulations everybody and congratulations to everybody else who's finishing their first through their second just big congrats to everybody um so we all get asked when we come back the most obnoxious what was your favorite place like what was your favorite state what's your favorite trail what's your favorite part and i happened upon this by accident because i was in glacier 
just starting the trail and was walking with some day walkers and they asked me what was my favorite uh, part of the trail and I hadn't been anywhere so I just answered very honestly like this it had a really cool effect that we all just kind of stopped and stood there and looked around and took in the scenery and then as I crossed in to Idaho people were asking well what's your favorite state and well honestly at that moment it was Idaho Maybe not the roller coaster section. That's not my favorite. And then I got into Wyoming. And Wyoming is, I would say, Wyoming's best kept secret. So people would ask me and I'd say Wyoming. And then obviously Colorado. Once I got there and got to hang out with you guys, Colorado was my favorite. And then New Mexico. Man, that is the land of enchantment. Yes. And enchantments are not always just light and fluffy fairy tale things either so on this journey of her odyssey you know when I began and was hiking the greater Patagonia trail that was my favorite trail and then I got on the Capacnan and that was my favorite trail and now I've hiked the CDT and now that's my favorite trail and it's just ugh. now begins the tough work of holding on to whoa there's a giant turtle this is a little fake lake and there's these huge mossy turtles hanging out on the beach what's up guys okay i guess there's cool things oh, hey, in the suburban sprawl <laughs> outside of dallas fort worth texas as well um i don't know what i was saying peace anyway, and love <laughs> now oh now it's kind of the tough part of holding on to the magic from the trail being able to hold true to that and to be able to share it um and everybody offering you tons of food because they think that you're still trail hunger <laughs> and holidays coming up oh my goodness and it looks like school's letting out just want to thank you guys so much for all of your support all of your encouragement um it's really enriched this experience to be able to share it with you guys. So thank you for being a part of her odyssey. And I guess we don't get to talk to you for the next while because next up we'll be switching to bikes to go across Mexico, uh, Honduras, Guatemala, back down to Nicaragua. So I guess we don't get to talk to you, right? Because we're not hiking. She's going to have to find a different podcast. I don't know. Maybe next summer, when we flip around and are going north again on the Great Divide Trail, maybe then we'll be worthy? Hmm? What do you say? Put it to a group vote? Yes. Ixnay Disco's vote? Hey. (laughs) Hey. Them apples. Anyway, thanks, guys. You rock. Wow, she ixnayed my vote. Yeah, but, but, you know, we weren't going to allow them to, you know, Try bleeppacking.com. No, they're going to have to get off and push those things. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's a, there's a podcast I've been listening to called the, uh, the bike show. And, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I I think fidget should, you know, should strike up, uh, you know, a a little banter with the hosts of the bike show. They're great people. They're really fun. I listen to it all the time and, uh, (laughs) just, uh, you know, go over there for a little while. 
Well, you can come back here. Yeah. When you're hiking. When you're hiking. <laughs> We're going to take our last break. When we come back, we've got Mailbag and Ask a Hiker with D-Lo. Trail show. Less gear, more beer. All right. So uh, a while back, uh, Four Points Bars, which is a company out of Colorado. Bars. Bars. Uh, I actually wrote to them because I ate them on the Idaho Centennial Trail. And um, I wrote to them to tell them how amazing their products were. And then they they slung us a, a real nice discount on some product. So um, we bought some and I dispersed it and we all tried them, I think. And um, I just wanted to give them a mention. I don't really like bars very much. I find most of them to be pretty disgusting. Bars. Yeah, I feel the same way. I pretty much always hate them. Yeah. But I do like the Four Points ones. And I also gave some to Fidget. She did a couple promos on her Instagram for them because she liked them so much. And what I'll say about Four Points bars, and we can talk about the flavors that we did, that we all tried, but um, they are not sweet. So if you're looking for the the normal sweet uh, energy bar that you're used to, this is not it. They are not that sweet. And their whole thing is that they use plums instead of figs. Most bar companies use figs. And plums are better. Uh, they have a lower glycemic index, so they don't spike your blood sugar. Anyway, um, I love them. My favorite is the Mountain Mocha Espresso uh, bar because it has caffeine. Um, and also they gave us a couple of trial ones, and one of them was the hemp one, which oh, I loved. The hemp one was my favorite. Anybody else want to chime in on uh, what they uh, liked or didn't like? PB&J. PB&J was good, too. I will just chime in to say that, um, yeah, I didn't like any of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Like, special doesn't I, like bars. I, so I, really, bars. I really don't like bars. <laughs> I find them all to be disgusting. <laughs> I find them all to be a chore to eat. Right. Uh, they pretty That's much fair. don't have, like, even the best ones I still don't like. Uh, I find some to be more tolerable and less tolerable. Um, so uh, my dislike of their bars really should not be taken as... Uh, no, I, I think it's good. It's yeah, an honest like take. If you don't like bars, yeah. like I don't like bars, you're probably not going to like these bars either. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I, I really like them. Um, I found them to be very good at giving you energy. Yes. yes. Like uh, I definitely replaced a few meals like when I was yep. running late for like work or something, like a lunch. Or so. Like they, they they held like your energy for a while, yep. yeah. which I appreciated. And yeah, they're not that sweet, which I actually like because it feels like you're not just eating a candy bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of the things I noticed on the Idaho Centennial Trail. I, I got them because they gave me a case at the Ruck. And so I took them on the on the Idaho Centennial Trail, and what I noticed was that how much longer I could hike on one of those than any other bar I've tried to use in the past, which I've had to gag down. But um, I did notice that too. Like it definitely keeps you going. When yeah, I would just say like if back in the day, um, a hiker friend of mine used to have like uh, pemmican bars. Oh yeah, which. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and, oh. it, it's like sawdust. Okay. But but it's like a slow burn. Like I yeah. feel like if you can if you can 
eat a pemmican bar, you've got energy for <laughs> like you the next. Choke one down. You, if got, you have a gallon of water, you, got, you need a lot of water. But these that require as much water, they tasted better, and they gave the same amount of that slow burn energy. It, again, it's not a quick like burst of energy that say like a king size Snickers would give you, and then you get up the hill and then you crash and burn. There's no such thing as a king size Snickers. Um, I beg to differ, my friend. Not anymore. They discontinued them. What? So That's if I have... Why wasn't that in trail news? If I have it some, oh. can I put it on eBay and, and make like 20 bucks a bar? Is that Probably. Probably. What about you, Dilo? Did you try any or did you feed any to your kids? What did you do uh, with your bars? Actually, all of the above. Um, I did try some. We did try to feed them to our kids. Our kids wouldn't eat them. <laughs> Good. Um, More for you. They were probably not sweet enough for our children. Yeah. I was semi-successful in eating them. I could probably eat about a third of a bar before I had to wrap it up and save it for later. Peace and love. Um, maybe that's because I prefer more sweet granola bars that spike my glycemic index. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds sounds about right. Yeah, but, uh, you know... But some, it's organic some of the, sugar. Some of the tastes were fine, but it's, like I said, I, I really couldn't eat a whole one of these. And maybe that's maybe You're not that's okay. trying hard enough. Maybe well, okay. I also... I mean, yeah, maybe, but also, like, I normally eat them when I'm hiking and stuff, mm-hmm. but I have eaten them, too, sometimes when I'm at school really late and everything, but, yeah, when I've been hiking, and I get to, like, the top of something, and then I eat one, I'm like, oh, that's so, like, I don't know, very filling. I did like some of the flavors, though. There were some interesting flavors in there, some some stuff that was creative. I enjoyed that. And yep. and thinking about them for hiking, specifically, I think they would hold up pretty well in a pack. There's not chocolate and stuff no. that's going to melt right. in heat. I think they would probably do well in cold, although I didn't try that, like whether they would freeze too solid to chew into or not. But Just put them in your armpit. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, there's that option, too. <laughs> um, I mean, in the wrapper. But yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> but yeah, very good. Very good. Okay. Bars. Anyway, thanks. Four points for, uh, for uh, giving us that deep discount and letting us uh, try those products. And if you're in the market and you like bars, give them a try. Fourpointsbar.com. Hey, we got a... Audio clip from Moonkid. Let's see what All he's right. doing. Hey guys, this is Moonkid, and uh, I send you this uh, this update from France. I know it's probably weird to hear that, but um, well, yes, I had to to take the difficult decision to get back home because of uh, snow in in Montana, and I wasn't able to keep going anymore. I know that in the previous update. I was feeling quite uh, self-confident about this, but um, I don't know. Maybe a bit more than I could that I could chew, and um, I thought it was only a matter of uh, right equipment to to go through the snow. But I just uh, realized that it was not only because of this that it would be hard, and um, and as I, I was pushing up north. Through Montana on the divide it was very very snowy. I mean where I was I had like knee deep, but um, I was getting to the Bob Marshall Wilderness area and after that to the Glacier National Park, and uh, I knew that from that point it would become much more complicated and I didn't want to die. Yeah, to to keep going till a point where I would have to. Uh, how to say that, to call for 
search and rescue team, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, That's a goal. Yeah, I just <laughs> yeah. I just decided Good to one. stop just before it will it will have become actually dangerous. I know that there was another hiker just um I don't know, 100 miles north of me who had to be rescued um because he had some very very deep uh, snow drifts and he, he he couldn't move anymore. He was in snow that his whole body was uh, like in uh, in in snow so yeah i didn't feel very confident in the end because of that and um yeah obviously with the right equipment i i could have been able to to keep going a little bit further and um it would it would have been all right i think for a few time but uh at some point, I didn't want to take that decision, of course, but at some point, I had to consider that uh, for the, like, math problem, basically. Did I want to, to spend all that money for equipment, um, knowing that I maybe I, I wouldn't be able to keep going in Canada anyway, and uh, to lose all that time? Because basically, even with snowshoes, I mean, I had... 300 miles left to the to the end of the of the CDT and that was my goal that's uh, what I told you last time in the in the previous update I, I wanted to at least to finish the CDT and uh, to consider a situation at border to see if I if I would feel able to keep going on the on the GDT on the Great Divide Trail in the Rockies in the Canadian Rockies and um, yeah, I, I think I stopped at, at the right place. It was the most sensible choice I, I could possibly take. So I don't regret it, even if it's hard. And uh, <laughs> now I'm, I'm back in France um, with normal life. But um, that's okay. I, I feel very good. I, uh, I work to, to save money. And uh, this project is still live till July 2020. Uh, I plan to to get back on the trail, of course, and to finish what I have uh, what I haven't finished yet, to the to the Arctic Ocean. So um, I still have like five thousand kilometers, a little bit more than three thousand miles, to get to my um, my terminus in Inuvik, which is on the Arctic Ocean in northern Canada. And so my my plan is still to do that. And now I'm I'm preparing in that goal for that goal and uh, also trying to keep that project live with uh, exhibitions with um um with speech and uh, that kind of things. So it's still very interesting. It let it lets me some time to yeah to make evolve that project. So I'm not so sad about this because well I had to take that decision anyway and uh, no I'm I'm just um trying to look forward because I have no choice anyway and uh, that's a good opportunity to yeah to to make something interesting so yeah that's cool that's cool I'm just I I already miss the the mountains <laughs> of Montana the, the Rocky Mountains I'm just sad about this but um, yeah I will come back anyway so see you soon next year and uh, thank you to all of you Trash Nation for all the support you yeah, you, you gave me during that long journey. Uh, at the end, it was like 
more than 22,000 kilometers. So again, I'm not sure about miles, but I think it's like 13,500 miles. Wow. Um, thir thir sorry, 13,500 miles, something like this. In a little bit more than two years, uh, like 25 months. And um, I'm I'm quite proud of that, and I I hope I hope that it was um, you know a meaningful project not only for me but for all the people who follow that project on social networks or by any other mean. So thank you to all of you guys. Bye bye. Next year we'll see us again. I don't actually know anyone that's ever walked thirteen thousand five hundred miles in one continuous. That's crazy. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, I, yeah that's uh, a lot. It's, it's before unreal. you hit winter. <laughs> and, a, and a really good. I mean, it's a good decision he made. I mean, oh, yeah. it's hard to oh, make those decisions, but I was watching. There's no doubt that's a great, great choice. I saw some of his uh, Instagram like towards the end there, and I'm like, "Yo, dude, might be a good time to." Go get, go get warm somewhere and, and he did a lot of posts about like i know you're all very disappointed and blah 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 i'm like I, who do you think you're who are you talking to that's like thirteen thousand miles that's it yeah i was i was thinking he'd get fourteen thousand. do we have a uh an axle clip of uh back on the trail oh sorry wrong clip do we here have we go that? man or beast no, that no, I, no. Run I ain't never played that Ain't no, been born. No, no. And what? his mama's already dead. No, the dead. axle. I ain't running That's nothing. Moon Kid. I never have in my whole life, and I ain't going to start now. No. no. I want to yeah. hear, back on the train. I, man, I don't back have it. I'm sorry. We won't stop you know till we get up that hill. I'll insert it right here. Because that's what Moon Kid needs to hear. Yeah, be right sure now. to listen to this yeah. D-Lo so you can make sure he inserts yeah. it right I will. Right. I will. Yeah. yeah. All okay. right. Should we go I, to I totally uh, Mailbag? Or do you want to do donors? Oh, God. I, think, I don't know. <laughs> guess we're doing Mailbag. Hey, quick shout out. Salty is relaunching her uh, nutrition class starting December 17th. At Katie Burger, Katie Burger, Burger, <laughs> KatieGerber.com. <laughs> Katie Burger, yeah. Katie Burger is a completely different nutrition class. Yep. <laughs> she, she actually bought that site, and it just routes you right to her right. Right. KatieGerber.com. <laughs> All right, mailbag. Hey, Trail Show crew, thank you for everything you do for the hiking community. I'm listening to all of your shows, and it often helps me when the hike gets boring sometimes. Keep doing what you're doing. Also, over here in Germany, you can bet that the trails are too crowded. Gargamel. <laughs> well, now, why, oh. would, why would he say that? He's German. Okay. Uh, what's <laughs> what's up, Trill Show? He is. Hey, I know. <laughs> With all the talk about condoms and bears on the last show, I thought that I should share an event that was a real life changer. Did we talk about condoms? I don't remember that. I don't know. Yeah. I'm an old man. I am 56 years. <laughs> in my 56 years, it has never happened. I thought that I must be a natural repellent and it would never happen for me. Then it did. Hmm. Let me back up. I was on my first trip since breaking my leg in March. It wasn't a big trip, just 30-ish miles in the Monongahela. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Wait, would you say that one more time? Monongahela. Thank you. In West Virginia. One more time. 
Monongahela. Some people Mon- say Monongahela. Hela. Yeah. Monongahela. But I was just, I was just trying to say it confidently. Yeah. You did. That was. Very That's good. the most important part. Mon-on-ga-hela. With me on the trip were dangerous Darren, Howlin' Mike, and Turd Spotter, who earned her trail name on this trip. Turd Spotter. It was. It was a drizzly <laughs> Sunday in October, and we had the Pocahontas trails to ourselves. It was about 2 p.m. when it happened. Turd Spotter said in a low, calm voice, "Bear." Mama Bear ran across the trail. I finally lost my bear virginity. After all these years and miles, I finally saw one. Make that two. There were two cubs as well, although I only saw one. One more thing. I've seen scat before. You know, one, two, maybe three piles in a day. We saw at least 60 piles of scat in the 30-ish miles. Have you ever seen this much? How is it even possible? Anywho, I was so excited I finally lost it. Cheers and thanks for all the nonsense. Lemuel, if you ever want to see... To, if you ever want some secluded hiking, West Virginia is the place. The group saw four bears and zero humans total. Wow. Nice. Wow. And Lemuel has sent us coffee on several occasions, and he sent some beer once Thank via you, Bobby sir. Walters. All right. And our last quick little thing here. During the last year, your show's been in my ear while I worked to shed 30 pounds and hiked over 100 miles. 30 plus pounds. 30 plus pounds. You've helped me hike my own hike. I have new maps for next year's trails and hoping to take a walk in the Rockies next year. Thanks, Craig Wendlary Tuck, who was a donor this month. Oh, thank you. Nice. As well as was Gar- Gargamel. Okay. Hey, we have some hotline calls. I think we're fitting Oh, yeah. Nicely. Can we go to the hotline? Yes, we can. Let's do it. What's up, trail show? Oh, my God. Oh, oh man. Jen. Hey, it's Stephen Chaps Parker with the Ozark Islands Trail Association. And we're here at the Hare Mountain Hike-In celebrating the birthday of the Ozark Highlands Trail at the high point of the trail. You may also know it as Shin Availability Barbecue. <laughs> 30 of us up here. Hare Mountain Hike-In is our annual celebration. Uh, big potluck. We got, oh gosh, I bet 30 people up here. And uh, having a good time, inside. drinking beer, got a fire, eating lots of good food. Y'all need to come on out. Oh, oh they're on the high, they're on the high oh, point already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's nice. They're on the Ozark Highlands. That's awesome. Wow, no, that's great. Birthday celebration. Yeah, we also thank you. They, they do throw some, some big parties out on. That's the, what we've heard. Yeah. Wait a minute, was that Stephen Chaps Parker? I'm not sure. Don't get we also, we also got a, a good call okay. from Louisiana. Oh, what? Down south. Louisiana. Okay. Hey, Trail Show. This is Gary Lawrence. I was the guy who tried to get y'all rum. Uh, I ended up just getting y'all blossom with 50 bucks worth of beer. I want to say thank you to everybody. I'm finally doing it. I'm hiking uh, Louisiana's longest trail, which is really only 31 miles. <laughs> I say uh but I plan to yo-yo it to get 60-some-odd miles out of it. Nice. There you go. I want to say thank you because you guys teach me how to proper leave no trace and how to be a proper steward out here. I'm having a blast of time. Well, I'm 20-some-odd miles in, so I guess I'll catch you guys later. Thank you so much for the trail show, and uh, have a good one. Bye. He was going up a hill, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he sent us money a while back. He wanted to send us rum, but um, he couldn't make that happen. So he sent us some money and we bought beer instead. Okay. 
We can less, less rum, more beer. We have any donors this month? Yeah. Yeah, should I read some donors here? Let's do them fast. Okay, we got Bernard Wolf. Hey. Russ Not Fuss Kinder. Hey. Craig Pisco Gully. What, what a guy. guy. Christmas. Greg Minus. Bobby Walters. Lee. Richard Glasgow. Uh, yeah. That's the mule. Keep going. Don't Joshua, bow down to Job Bowden. Jo- Trevor, Trevor, smoke it if you got it. Bowman. Bowman. Sean Weedman. Jeffrey Cottonmouth. Cald- Caldwell. So dry. Diane Pinker. Steinman. Wait, wait, wait. Hey, this is Diane Pinker. You know, Pinkerstein. Uh, I don't know why I know this because I don't ever listen to the trail show, but now I got an app. What the hell's the metal part? You've got uh, me so name? confused. I don't know. So anyway, um, oh. if it's something that's highly embarrassing, um, then I guess don't tell me. <laughs> but the metal part got me concerned. So anyway, uh, never listened to the trail show, so I don't think I like it at all. And talk to you later. Wait, Why? Th- that's up in POD. Part? Yeah, that's POD. You should time. see Disco and POD right now. POD. Trying to think of some something else. No. <laughs> no POD not. tried to give her a new trail name, and I vetoed it because it was not appropriate. It was over the line. It was over the line. And and Diane Pinkerstein, POD is going to email it's you. <laughs> no, it's Pinkerstein. No, okay. it's not. It's Diane uh, Pinkerstein. <laughs> Diane Pinkerstein, POD is no, going to email you and tell you what I that am. horrendous trail name was <laughs> that she came up with. None of us, none of the guys here had anything to do with POD. Why do wow. we call her? We it just must call have her, been bad. Uh, who came up with Pinkerstein? So, it was not so, bad, but I didn't have permission okay. to change it. And uh, it was a little, you know, questionable. So, Diane Pinkers, I will email you and tell you what the middle part is. Okay, where are we? David <laughs> uh, Bola Pasta Vinny. Uh, Justin Knowles. Quality. Jason Lurch, not Church. Don't go. Ingrid Gerard. Gerard. Rudy from Cascade Hiker Podcast. Hi, Rudy. Come. Rudy. The competition. Pat the Bouncer Dixon. <laughs> Steven the Hustler the Russell. Am and the Brute Bruce. Brute. Renee, Shira, Patrick, Wesley, Shira. the Haggis Addicts. I, I, I need it. <laughs> Kevin, Chickpea Cross, and Sasha Honeydew Kodak. I don't need Haggis. I need chickpeas. Tebow, not Tim Williams. Tommy, the Meat Popsicle. Stevens, Joseph. Meat Pete. Pecoraro. Meat Pete. <laughs> Meat Pete. Meat Pete. Brandon, Lost Balls. Love Lady. Oh God, Shira, the Switchblade. <laughs> Brian, the Big McNamara. Oh, that's a big one. Patty Mas- Matiskella, who? Hey. Matiskella! Just finished hiking the AT and oh, came congrats. through Salida oh. with her husband and son. Oh, I missed her. Her trail name is Sisu, and she's awesome. And she's going to be doing a European trail that she's going to be on the show on for later. So, yes. Sisu, great meeting you. Thanks for making that happen. Okay. Fel- Felipe Gilbert. Gilbert. Kill Bill Cottrell. Murder Bill. Arian Bakken. Bayan, Bayea. Can we all pronounce it at least? Orion Bakken Borgea. Clayton. Clayton the Master Masterson. Dave the Geode. Hail. Any. What just happened? I don't know. Special has fallen out. almost died. I'm sorry, what's that? Hannah Dykstra. Steven swept away, but last TTS you called me Robin, so I'm going with that from now on. Hood. Anthony Peachpits, Bob Death March, Trump. DMT! But did you die? The God, God molecule. Molecule. And then we got our one-offs. We've got Simon Gargamel Bartman. Bartman. 
Craig Wendlary Tuck. Wendlary. And Michelle Lucky 11 Walker. I wonder if Wendlary is any relation to... Lucky 11 inch. I just read the quotation mark. 11 inches Walker. Michelle. We're going to have to cut that now, too. Well, if it's 11 inches. (laughs) It's time for Ask a Hiker. Oh, boy. Speaking of the DMT God Molecule, question number one Trail Show. I haven't heard much on this topic, but I wanted to get y'all's take on it. I love bourbon. I love the outdoors, and I really love them together. While whiskey itself doesn't have strict prediction guidelines, bourbon has many. One of the requirements for whiskey to become a bourbon is that it has to age for four years in virgin white oak casks. With bourbon's recent popularity in the last decade, can this backpacking staple be considered environmentally responsible? Can the oak trees keep up with the demand for bourbon? I think, Spesh, we have to... This uh, question, by the way, is from DMT himself. The God Molecule. So yep. the, the, the short answer is probably not. Uh, part of the, the longer answer is I think there's actually some um, like things that are attacking oak in some areas where they source the wood from. And you might know a little bit more about that, Disco, than yeah, I do. I mean, but, but it does not sound like... Uh, it, at like the current increase in bourbon popularity that, uh, that yeah, there'll be enough oak long-term. Mm. Huh. Interesting. You know, there's a similar thing that, that's going on with, with peat and, uh, and the Scotch. peated scotches. Um, somebody did some feasibility study or something a few years ago and determined that by like sometime in the 2020s, uh, Scotland's likely to basically run out of the usable peat. Hmm. Um, for for Scotch production. So. Huh, interesting. All right. D-Lo, question number two. Hosts of the trail show, I have found myself the defendant... Man, this is a long question. Should though. I... Should we... No, read it. I think we're going to have to break this question up into two shows. Okay. <laughs> I have found myself the defendant in a lawsuit, and I believe it's because I did the right thing on the trail. I'm facing a serious claim suing me for damages far more than my current net worth due to a little incident that happened in the Santa Monica Mountains, where I hike frequently. Two months ago, I was hiking uphill on a fine trail, enjoying fresh air, sunshine, and ocean views, when a trail runner came barreling downhill on the trail towards me. Now, I'm of the mindset, all modes of transportation being equal, that the uphill traveler always has the right of way. And to be honest, there are so many ultra runners who clearly feel they are more important than you that I get a little tired of them not yielding to me when I'm hiking uphill. So this runner was particularly rude, yelling at me to get out of the way as he raced downhill towards me. So at the last minute, I jumped aside, almost, but not completely. I let my leg dangle out into the trail just a little bit, wondering what would happen. And I tripped (laughs) to the runner. (laughs) The runner then tumbled violently down the trail, eventually coming to a stop in an awkward position with the leg clearly bent in the wrong direction. I rushed over to help, covering the poor man in my spare clothes so he wouldn't go into shock, offering comfort and support, and then called 911. We weren't too far from the trailhead, and help soon arrived to carry him out to the hospital. I thought nothing more of this, 
Other than that, maybe this runner had learned his lesson to yield to uphill hikers. Until a few weeks later, I was served a claim stating that by tripping this runner, who it turns out is a famous world champion ultramarathon runner, that I was responsible for his lost income and sponsorship, sponsorship deals. So now, my lawyer and I are heading to court, and our main defense is that he should have yielded to the uphill traveler. Mm. We will not be admitting to purposefully tripping the man. I mean, <laughs> I had to Probably jump best. out of his way after all, and it was an accident, kind of. So my question, perhaps for the trail show legal department, is, will I win? Was I right? Should this arrogant world champion ultra runner have just slowed down and yielded to me? I plan to answer that the argue is uh, I plan to argue that the answer is yes, because if so, he wouldn't have forced me to jump out his out of his way and tripped over me when I didn't make it off the trail in time. What do you think? Did I do the right thing? Legally yours, and my name has been withheld at my lawyer's request. Absolutely. Trail show legal. I, I think he has a solid case. Um, he definitely has the, the law on his side. He has tradition on his side. He has general or her side. General norms on their side. Um, <laughs> yes, or her side. Um, I think that, you know, this letter was an unfortunate mistake because it happened midst to, <laughs> yeah. to tripping them. Yeah, yeah, but that's why the name is withheld, right? Yeah, right. but I, yeah, I, yeah, it'd be hard to figure out, you know, dep- you know, there's probably hundreds of these kinds of cases in right. the Santa Monica mountains. But to, to, to answer the question, D'Lo, I don't think you're going to lose your house over this. In jury selection, <laughs> I would definitely focus on athletic, but not annoyingly athletic jurors right. who are more likely to be point. hikers than trail runners. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Good luck. Yeah, if they're too skinny, that could be a runner. So, hmm. exactly. Make sure they've got a little bit of body fat on them when you're interviewing them. Um, the can jury. I get a BMI for everybody who's uh, signed up to be on the jury? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number three. Just Are we doing the third question too? Um, yeah, it's a quick one. I think. I mean, uh, it's like a whole page, but no, that's the live call. We already did a live. No. Call. Okay. <clears throat> question number three. Hey, Disco. Uh, just just so uh, people that write in to uh, ask a hiker know, Disco does not do this That's correct. segment. So, uh, long time downloader, <laughs> but I never listen. I just use the show as punishment for my kids when they don't listen. Three straight hours of the show, and they are doing their chores with only minimal, long-lasting psychological effects. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I recently got back from the Wind River Range in Wyoming, and I wanted to get your thoughts and suggestions on the situation I ran into. On a ridge way above any water sources, I came across an actively burning campfire next to a tree that had burned past the shoddy firing and was into the pine needles and smoldering out into the surrounding area like a peat fire. Mm. I had a standard backpacking gear you would expect on a week-long trip, including a less than a liter of water and my trowel. There were four people total working on containing the fire. I doused the actively burning branches with my water, and we moved them to a flat boulder. Then we dug around the smoldering pine needles and dumped it back onto itself to smother it. Finally, we dumped wetter dirt onto the hot spots and felt around the area to see if we missed anything. Due to a heavy snowstorm, we had to backtrack through the site, so we were able to check it out again. Everything was wet and cold. Please critique our efforts and let me know if you've all had any experiences with this kind of thing. 
It was rather nerve-wracking to know that considering where we were, if we didn't put out the fire, that it would have taken at least three days to get to a trailhead to alert a ranger. Thanks, Greg B. Spesh? I think they could have peed on it, too. Uh, mm. Yeah, you could have peed on it. I mean, that that's pretty much the right thing to do. Uh, if you, you use what water you can and uh, get out. Get it out, mix it around, try to, you know... Homogenize it? Yeah, homogenize it uh, using the wet or colder dirt to put out the... Yeah, that's good. I actually ran into this issue uh, um, the last... Not the last time I was in New York, but prior to that, I went on a little drive up to like a wilderness area and was cruising around and found a campsite with like an actively burning fire in it. Um, there was like full on flames and a couple of nice sized logs. Like somebody yeah. stoked the fire and then left, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And luckily for me, there was a, a stream like, yep. like five feet, 10 feet from the fire. And I just got out of thing. And, same, and, same, but same. Yeah. Uh, if you don't, you know, I've, I've run into this situation when I didn't have a whole lot of water and I didn't have a whole lot, like there wasn't a water source nearby. Right. Um, and yeah, like, slowly try to get some of the the hotter pieces of it like out and doused and then mix it around yeah i think you did good you yeah did good. I, i've run into it on the arizona trail which is not a place you want to find an unattended God. burning campfire i've also run into it on, in south carolina and i think i've even seen it in colorado like people are oblivious i suppose and just think it's actually I, I talked about car camping a couple months ago next yeah. to the guy that puked right beside my tent and their campfire was still he going in the morning. He could have puked on the fire. I know. You know, one thing I will say is that sometimes I've seen people recommend that you bury a fire to put it out. I would not recommend that. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- what you can do when you bury a fire like that, particularly if it's like with sand and not like a real whatever uh, organic rich soil or something, is that sand can act like a insulator and it'll just sit there and smolder for yeah. forever. And then if you know it gets exposed, or what, then it, it can spread again. So burial itself will will not actually guarantee a. You got to homogenize it homogenize. with non-burning. I actually had a fire that I started one time, um, and this was pretty early on in my my knowledge gaining years, but. Uh, it was on some pine duff and it burned down into the pine duff and we ended up having to chase that fire down about Whoa. a foot and a half. Oh, yeah. Would you recommend peeing on the fire? Yes. When you pee on the fire, will it smell tomorrow? Uh, it'll smell right then. <laughs> it'll smell but it won't horrible. smell. It won't smell tomorrow. Will Who it? cares? That's I less really damaging can't... than a forest fire. That's yeah, true. Come on, That's D-Lo. true. But I mean, here's why I asked. D-Lo, it really here's depends on whether you get your shoes or whether you manage to aim at yeah, the fire. Yeah, and how, how much asparagus shoes, you had. And how much <laughs> asparagus. But um, <laughs> if you, pee, I, I, I have always been a proponent of peeing on the fire at the end of the yeah. day. You're about to go to bed. Why dump the good water that you're gonna drink? on the fire when you could just you know pee on the fire and put your you just, excrement well, you just gonna, dump right? the pee that we, you were going to drink on the fire what? i wasn't going to drink excrement. the excrement <laughs> not excrement but you know you the excretions that you're not you're not going like, to drink your own pee and actually, excrement are different actually, things. Yeah, i'm not talking about pooping on the fire i'm talking but about that's what excrement is are we are we talking excretions. about primal defecation you didn't say that <laughs> i said excrement i'm sorry it's the wrong term pee okay. i want to pee on the fire and I, I, I say to my Primal other campers, well, let's just pee on the fire. And they say, oh, 
no, it's going to stink tomorrow. It does. It stinks it's bad. It's going to stink tomorrow, though. It's not going to stink. No, who, care? who cares yeah. about tomorrow? It's going to stink instantly. But like, but horrible. then you go to bed and it doesn't matter. Horrible. But then you're you're leaving. You're not sitting around the fire anymore. You pee no, on the I fire. Agree. You walk away. I think you it's should like, pee on the fire. I, just I think totally think you should pee. If on the you're fire. the last one peeing on the fire, it sucks. Why? That's all. Because then you gotta smell everybody's burned pee. It's gross. Right. It doesn't I'd... last long. I've never actually thought that it smelled that bad. Well, you were probably pretty drunk by the time you went to bed. Well, totally. Like that's why I'm peeing on the fire at like midnight. You know? Like, what are you talking about? Why are there crickets? Uh, Okay, because uh, um, it's midnight and nobody's awake, and I just peed <laughs> on the fire. Okay, let's all pee on out of order's floor. Let's see what yeah. happens. See if it smells somewhere else. Is that it for Ask a Hiker? Do, do we Dila? have to light his floor I, on what, fire? Were we first? still yeah. doing Ask a Hiker? What was that? That's I it. don't know. I think that was Ask a Hiker. It's time for gear review. Oh, but first, yeah. we need to rock out. Here comes drop the beat, 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 beat. Oh yeah, beat, I love beat. this song. Such is a, it an actual such song? a sick track. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's some sort of uh, so uh, gear review. Ten stakes. Yes, what, what sharpen them, and you can use them as a weapon against wolves. Stab it in the eye. Is that our? Is that what we're saying? Yes, sure. Yes, stab a wolf oh, in the eye you, you with know your ten stick. I have a. We're done. Fo- I, have we a I have a follow up gear review for. No. Uh, remember those tent stakes that we got at the uh, at, at OR? Oh, the ones that light that up? up. Oh yeah. yeah. What the, about them? the first time I used one? It broke in half. Oh. <laughs> Wait a minute. The, oh, the tent no. stake or the light? The tent stake. The light itself is still fine. You know what tent stakes? <laughs> you know what tent stakes don't break in half with the use them? The ground claw. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Right. I, the are they called the ground claw? The ground claw. The ground claw or the ground hog? The ground claw. Yeah. Yeah. They don't break. They're so burly. Wh- which one is the ground claw? They're the yellow curved ones. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I, I, broke, I broke one of those. <laughs> no, you didn't. Yeah, I did. No. No. <laughs> totally. Stop. It's not true. <laughs> you broke one of the yellow ones? Yeah. How? Actually, I broke two of them. What? What were you oh, doing? Oh, man. Because they're made out of plastic. What were you doing? Flossing? What? Like, what? I, what are you flossing with yeah, them? Yeah, no, they, 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 I, I, I think uh, because they're plastic um, and you would want to like hammer them into the ground with stuff, uh, plastic maybe no. wasn't the right choice of material for those. Okay. Right. So you think the ground claw should have been made out of metal? I think it just should have been made. <laughs> <laughs> metal ground uh, claw sticks. It's like your Wolverine or something. You're like, rah! <laughs> We're falling apart over here. You, you know, uh, Snorkel asked me to write a uh, a review of tent stakes for her gear company. Good, nice. I like yeah. it. Are you it's gonna good. do it? It's gonna be great. I, I I guess. Are you gonna review the ground? She's gonna call? have to like tell me what she wants me to do, other than right. write it. But yeah, she she. I think she said, could you cover I, the ground? Either call? that, or she's just messing with me. <laughs> it could be either one. I'm not sure. It's true, you but, never know. Uh, I think a lot of the through hikers are moving to the ground claws. So uh, special, I would appreciate it if you review those for my uh, gear. Sure, yeah. All right, do we have uh, any more they're calls? They're made out of plastic. Don't buy them. Out of order. Do we have any more calls? We have one more. Let's go to the it's, hotline. It's the perfect call for the end of the show. Hi, Trail Show. I was wondering if there was a Trail Show internship program that you offer. I wouldn't really need to be paid or even treated with respect. I would just like to help with menial tasks that no one else wants to do. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yes, we've been waiting oh, we, years for you. We've been waiting seven and a half years for your phone call. For someone who doesn't want to be treated with respect. We can or paid. You're, you're hired. Yeah. You're hired. 
Uh, Done. Yeah, we'll just send you the location for the next taping. Uh, we'll give you the what be there words. Be there a day early uh, in order to <laughs> smudge the area, uh, yeah. remove evil spirits, uh, make sure the feng shui is like all good to go, uh, and then set up all of the sound and mic. And yes. Everything. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. We are, you know, taking applications for other internships. We have, you know take care of Dilo's kids while he's at the show. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. That's definitely needs We're, to be a paid position. Yeah. Uh, if we can get an internship <laughs> just to give me shoulder massages, that would be great. My, too. my kids are okay. They're home alone tonight. They're fine. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you change them up. Asleep. Just them and that wolf, right? Yeah, They're <laughs> asleep in the house. Listen, There's as long as you lock the closet door, they should be fine. Yeah. Nothing's good. And they're asleep in the closet door. That's locked. They're fine. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. I can't uh, believe it. What? Four hours later. <laughs> really? Four hours later. Oh my god. This could be the this longest could be a trail record show trail <laughs> show. It could a be a ten miler. A ten miler. Oh my gosh. End to ender. Alright, here we go. Thanks to everyone for tuning in today. Big thanks goes to Wolverine Rah. for talking to us about his hike of the Trans Ecuador mountain bike route, also known as the Timber. Timber. Oh, I'm in the Timber. Timber. Big thanks goes to Trail Show VIP Matthew Snowflake Wolf Punch Rispoli for tonight's trail Snow tip Wolf. and that one of the amazing. most amazing stories I've ever heard. Oh that was crazy. Wolf Strangler. Yeah. <laughs> Stay safe out there, people. Uh, thanks and praise to one Paul Max Magnati of pmax.com Go wild. Talking to us about his new book, <laughs> so How wild. to Survive Your First Trip in the Wild, Backpacking for Beginners, available wherever you get books. What about bear sweats? <laughs> and last but not least, thanks goes to Zool for speaking with us about all the great work Big City Mountaineers is doing. Check out BCM at BigCityMountaineers.org. What about beer sweats? Tonight's beer was courtesy of Ghost Train Brewing out of Birmingham, Alabama. Thank you so much, Taylor and Paige. Beeham. Delicious. That purple cam was my favorite. You know, uh, I don't purple know that cam. we actually talked about it, but the Kaleidoscope uh, sour yeah. is phenomenal. I think we still have some of the uh, pineapple juice around. Oh, the he- the days. Okay. Thanks and praise. Sweats. To, to all our monthly PayPal donors, get yourself a trail show koozie and some stickers for fifteen dollars or more. Donation at thetrailshow.com. Yeah, and love. get your koozies right here. Peace and love. We'll have the Bear Sweats signature koozies coming soon. You can always find us at thetrailshow.com on Twitter at Trail Show on Instagram and Facebook at the Trail Show on the Citrap, Apple Podcast app, Google Play, and iTunes. Sometimes you'll even find old copies of our show on USB drives at the local library. (laughs) Hey, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed the show. This is Andrew Skirka coming to you one more time. Registration for my 2020 trips will open immediately after the new year. All applications received during the first two weeks will be considered equally, and this is your best chance to get on your first choice trip. After the open application period, spots will be filled on a first-come, first-served basis. Cancellations do happen, and spots occasionally open up later in the season as well. You can find more information about the trips on my website, andrewskirka.com. If you have any questions, just send me an email. My program is still small, and I'll respond personally. After I receive your application, I'll try to match you with a like-abled group. We've found that experience and fitness aren't necessarily correlated, so we've actually decoupled these variables. For example, if you're an intermediate backpacker in average fitness, we'll try to pair you with other intermediate backpackers in average fitness. 
Our season starts in southern Utah in late April, followed by West Virginia, Alaska, Yosemite, and finally the Rockies. We hope to see you out there. Another trail show has come and gone, but don't fret. We'll be back in December for our holiday spectacular. Full of beers, trails, and nuts. Delos already excited. I can't wait. Until then, for POD, Delos, Special 41, and Triple O, I'm Disco. Ciao. Thank you also. Later, dudes. Thanks also to Fidget and Mooncat and Rand Snyder for audio updates. Top Rod. <laughs> Who else? So, and if you're hiking so yeah, man, in the Canadian Rockies right now, the trying Wolf to make Man's your way to brother? the Arctic Circle, it might be a good time to get off the trail. Yeah, if you're getting rescued and it's October, <laughs> maybe your hike's over. <laughs> yeah, if you're thinking about... If you're thinking about how quickly you can dial search and rescue, it's probably time to call it good for the yeah. season. Yeah. I think if you get rescued, it's just time to hang it yeah, up. Yeah, I feel like that's it. Like yeah, you got rescued, it. you get one rescue. Yeah, that's, that's all. <laughs> you don't need to finish. <laughs> if I got caught in for a second rescue of the same person, then I'd be so mad. <laughs> they would owe you so much beer. I would get to your campsite and I would just turn around and leave. You again? Oh. <laughs> Yo, why oh. did you get Peace back on the love trail? <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> you just end up in like the exact same spot. <laughs> you didn't get me further. <laughs> Some people never get off the trail, do you? But you just have to like hibernate on the trail until the snow melts. You know, you got to be prepared to hunker down. You just got to take lots of bars with down. You. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, if you're eating those four points bars, you could probably survive on those all winter. All winter. I want hibernation bar. I yeah. want some bear sweat spas. <laughs> yeah, sweats made with real bear sweat. <laughs> They're quite broken salty. femurs. They're quite salty, I heard. <laughs> I don't know. Well, is that a show? Yeah. I think so. It's time I to think, finish uh, off all that food. Done. I think we made it. Are we done? What, yep. what do we do now? I, I gotta eat that food. I, gotta go I think we burn all of the stuff that the wolves pooped on. <laughs> That's a show. Only D Dash Low would attempt something so mm, morally bankrupt, shall I say? Have you ever been to Kyrgyzstan? Never. Never been to Bishkek in the summer. Hey, brah, you like go have Pohana beer? My kitchen looks terrible, but <laughs> I also rent. Guess what's over here? <laughs> Maine. <laughs> Later on that week, she found out that she broke a femur. Trail Show t-shirts are back on sale until December 4th. Get yours now at bonfire.com slash thetrailshow. Get it now. Don't delay. Resistance is futile. The Trail Show. Hola? Hola, bueno.